get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. Carpenter can be the everyday DH for the St. Louis Cardinals and find it again. When I heard the universal DH was going to take place in 2020, uh, there were a couple teams that immediately jumped to the front of my mind. New York Mets, Joanna Suspis, Chicago Cubs, Kyle Schwarber, and then immediately St. Louis Cardinals, Matt Carpenter. Good morning with former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. We are live from the E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. A huge thanks to Alex Ferrario for holding things down for us back in the studio. It is Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That voice you just heard, Greg Amzinger talking about the Cardinals and how they could potentially use the DH. I've got a little bit of a different spin on this, Jamie. Because how did I know that would happen? Ah, it's hey? crazy. It's crazy. All right, go ahead. So earlier today, I was reading the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, as I'm known to do on a Tuesday morning, and I saw this from Derek Gould. He was writing about Tyler O'Neill and how the Cardinals could use him this season. This is a quote from Tyler O'Neill. I feel like I'm in the best position to exceed expectations. I know I can succeed at this level, and it's a matter of doing that consistently. I haven't had time and time again to do it because of injuries and other reasons. And that's okay. I have to earn it. This is the year to prove it. End quote. And I like that quote from Tyler O'Neill. I think it's a fair quote. I do have a question, though, Jamie. Because I think in some ways we look at the Cardinals and how they could be boosted because of the DH. Because they have so many options in their lineup. I also have a concern about the Cardinals because they have so many options in their lineup going into this season. In a 162-game season, I think this team is really well-constructed to be able to be at their peak at the end of the year. So you figure out what you've got over the course of the first couple of months, and then you ride that thing to the ground over the final few months in the stretch run the way that we've known Mike Schilt can do in his first two seasons as the manager. 60-game season is different. Tyler O'Neill's talking about how he hasn't been able to get consistent at bats in the past because of a variety of reasons. We've seen that with other guys as well. Lane Thomas, we want to see consistent at bats from him. I've talked ad nauseum about Dylan Carlson. What are we going to see with Tommy Edmond? How are they going to get at bats from Dexter Fowler and Matt Carpenter to make those contract works? There is a ton of moving pieces, Jamie, and that can be a good thing 
It can also be a bit of a detriment in a shortened season when you know they've got to find these answers, but also they've got to play the best player. And I think that finding that middle ground is where Mike Schilt's job becomes really, really difficult this season. So I've been thinking about this too. And, you know, we had a good discussion yesterday as to how Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill will be used and Dylan Carlson waiting a week to bring him on to the roster, all these things. And I finally sat there and said to myself, you know what? This isn't a development year. It really isn't. You don't have the runway to develop your young players. Yeah, it's nice to talk about Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill and talk about how we want to get them consistent at bats. We want to see what we have here. Hey, newsflash, this is not going to be a developmental season for these young guys. And this is where I actually think that your problem that you're discussing, having too many options at that time, I think your problem becomes... Uh, was that Dylan Carlson getting the call? There's Mike Schilte, actually. <laughs> Schilte calling me on the hotline here. Schilte have to wait. We'll have Way to, to go, Ribs. Yeah, I know. I know. Rookie move again. That's all right. I figured out how to turn the button on in here. So that's It was also like a 1980s ringer. Did that's you what hear I was that? thinking. Yeah, like, is that okay. a rotary phone that you carry with you, Ribs? Does it have a cord us, on it? <laughs> listen, jerks. Some of us grew up with a rotary phone. So all these <laughs> fancy ringtones, they don't even register in my brain. But I hear that old school ring, and I'm like, like, oh my God, I better answer the phone. So, anyways, back to what <laughs> I was dial saying. Up on that Houston, phone too. we have a problem. <laughs> okay, back to what I was saying about the development here. The problem becomes a solution, meaning that you only have 60 games, so you're going to play the hot hand. So, all these options that you have, as Mike Shield, you have the ability to just plug in whoever's going, whoever's going, yeah, I know. Poor Lane Thomas, poor Tyler O'Neill, poor Dylan Carlson. They don't get the at-bats that they need. News flash, 60 games, it's not development year. So Mike Schilt will have to make some hard decisions. Here's a question i got to bounce back at you, though. Okay. How many transactions are they allowed throughout the year? Because I know with hockey, at past the deadline, you're only allowed so many transactions. With baseball, I don't know how that works. Because I want to know, can they just wheel and deal all year long because of this unique situation? So trade-wise, the deadline's going to be, I believe it is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Ferrario, but I believe it is August 31st this year. Correct. Just push back a month. Okay, but I'm not talking trades. I'm talking about you mean the, the taxi squad within your own organization. You yeah, I think it's okay. unlimited. All right. Well, it's, okay. So then that actually them up and down and all around. You got it, man. So that actually helps what I'm talking about. Yep. Is you know you got somebody who's going really good for a couple of weeks. You leave them in there. They get cold for three, four games. Boom, they're out of there, and you're able to mix and match all these young guys. And you got to go with the hot hand. And back to my original point. This isn't going to be the year where you develop young players. It's going to be a year that's kind of a sprint for this team, and I think the Cardinals have a real chance with that. And I also think, BK, that the Cardinals and Mike Schilt are going to whittle away at some of these options that they have. Like, I think you're going to hit a point where you don't see a Dexter Fowler being used consistently. I think you're going to get a point where you don't see a Tyler O'Neill or a Lane Thomas or a Harrison Bader used consistently. Like, I think they're going to get to a point, maybe it's a couple weeks in the season, maybe it's a month into the season, I don't know, but they are going to hit an area where it says, okay, this is our guy, and the other options are just going to be bench options. He brought up a name there, Ferrario did, that I don't think we talk enough about, and it's Harrison Bader. 
Because for as much as we talk about Tyler O'Neill's strikeouts and as much as we talk about Dexter Fowler's struggles at the plate, Harrison Bader really doesn't get talked about in that same way. And he hasn't exactly been a model of consistency at the plate. Is that because, do you think he doesn't get talked about? It's because we we just know what we've got there. <laughs> just assume. Like, he's a great defender, and he covers a lot of ground out there in the outfield, but I think everybody's just kind of set up for the fact that, ah, oh, this is Harrison Bader. He's really not good at the Well, play. look at how he was used last year. I mean, you got to a point last year where you had sent him to Memphis. He wasn't contributing. You brought him up, and he was a late-game addition when you were ahead so you could use him as a defensive replacement. Other than that, you were using somebody else in center field to get offense. Yeah, I think it's the defense and the speed that he brings that makes yeah. him a different conversation. Because with Fowler, if he's not hitting, well, what's he bring you? It, there, there's not a whole lot of value defensively. Heard he's a good guy. It, he is a good guy, but on the field, what is he bringing you? And that's a fair question for him. Meanwhile, with Harrison Bader, he does have fantastic outfield defense. He's amazing on the base paths. So he brings that to the table. He brings other qualities, other attributes. But he's got to hit at least to a certain degree to be able to be the guy that's going to be out in center field every day. And we don't really talk about him. We talk about Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson and Lane Thomas and Dexter Fowler, and we just kind of assume... Well, Bader's going to be in center. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. If this lineup does need a boost and they look out in center every day and they say, listen, Harrison Bader, like last year, is hitting 205 with a 315 on base percentage. That's not good enough. Yeah, that's You not have to have something better than that in center field this year. And so I will be interested to see if they, so at a certain there, point, then? put Lane Thomas yeah. in okay. center All right. and say to themselves, we can work with the other two corner outfield spots with Fowler, and with O'Neal and with Dylan Carlson, and you just filter through those guys, and it's basically two days on, one day off for Heck, each other. You can even rotate Edmund out there. Yeah. We saw him last year do pretty well out there. So, look, at I go back to my statement earlier. I think that Bader, throw him into that that pot of players that if they're not producing, not doing what the team is needing them to do, they're out, and they'll go with the hot hand. And you know what, Mike Schilt, if he needs to shut it down defensively because the Cardinals are getting leads and they aren't producing as many runs as they want to, then Bader will see more time in the second half of games. I think this is going to be a benefit to the Cardinals' front office in terms of making moves move. I mean, you guys, we've already talked about the salary situation where they're going to have to start cutting costs after this season because of the financial restrictions that have happened. But now more than ever, if you want to know what you have in players, this is a, hey, we need immediate contributions. And if you don't have it, we're going to find somebody else to do it, whether it be Bader, O'Neal, Thomas, uh, Fowler, Carlson. Like, if you're going to contribute right away, you're going to be on this roster and you're going to make a place for yourself moving forward. So ESPN.com earlier today, Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario ranked all of the teams in baseball from 1 to 30 based on what they have and how that sets up for success over a 60-game season. Any guess on where the Cardinals ranked in this power rankings from 1 to 30 in all of baseball for how they set up over 60 games? You know what? Um, I think we're probably higher on the Cardinals than the, <laughs> the national media is. So I'll be I'll try to play it safe here, and I'll say that they have them at like 10th. Ooh, I was actually going to say 12th. 15th. Okay. All right. Dead center right in the middle. They were 15th overall in baseball. Here's what they had to say about him. Quote, fortunately for manager Mike Schilt, his problem seems to be more one of picking from an abundance of options rather than having a lack of them. Will the Cardinals roll the dice and hope that Carlson provides some immediate upside? 
as with all decisions of this type across baseball, there simply isn't much time to correct for a wrong call. We've never had more opportunities to say that Mike Schilt was wrong. This year is going to provide, if you're if you're the guy that after a Cardinals game, the next day you listen to Sports Talk Radio because you want to talk about how wrong the manager was for a certain decision, you're going to have more decisions this year than ever before. These guys are going to be pedal to the metal all year long. You're going to be managing like almost every game as a playoff game because you're playing 40 games within the division and those games all count more yeah. in general. And each game, because of the shortened season, is worth two and a half what it normally would be. So Mike Schilt's going to be second-guessed a lot. He's good at this. He's got an opportunity to make a lot of right calls, but we are absolutely going to be second-guessing a lot of his wrong calls as well. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We're broadcasting live from the new ENB Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. Be out here with you guys until 2 o'clock. It's 11.14, your time check. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Jamie, I wanted to talk hockey with you. And then Stephen A. Smith went on first take earlier today and said something that we absolutely have to discuss. And I think for once, you're going to agree with him. We'll hear it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We are broadcasting live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. So I teased before the break, Jamie Rivers. We're going to talk hockey here. It's a big week, big week ahead, and we will talk hockey coming up here in just about 10 minutes with Mark Spector. He's a senior NHL columnist for Sportsnet. He'll join us here on Ribs and BK. But right now... Jamie isn't a big fan of Stephen A. Smith in general. But I think that I've got something that I heard from Stephen A. earlier today that you and much of our audience will actually find yourself agreeing with Stephen A. about. Are you ready for this? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he and I don't, we certainly don't have beers together. So, okay, let's hear it. You might have beers talking about this subject in particular. So, Ferrario, if you've got it ready, let's hear the first clip of Stephen A. talking about why he's not a huge believer that the NBA is actually going to be able to social distance down in Orlando. Somebody's got to say, you really, really think that people are going to be without their wives or their woman? Okay? I mean, the guys that are married without their wives, the guys that ain't married without their women, you really, really think they honor in a bubble for three months and are going to deprive? Somebody got to tell the truth? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. He's uh, listen. How many times have I said that? Stephen A's one hundred percent right. I mean, look at. I do think that the guys uh, that have wives and families uh, will want to have them there at some point. Uh, certainly, and if not, then I think those guys will be probably okay in the long run, right? But the guys who are young and want to get out and about and, and get their woman, like Stephen A. just said, then, uh, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. And there's t- we've got the smart rings. We've got the Disney bracelet. 
bracelets. We've got all this stuff, but like you brought up a long time ago, unless they have this like police border around this bubble, <laughs> and even then, like guys are going to find a way to get out. See, and that's something that Stephen A. brought up as well as to why the players don't want to be in Orlando and instead wanted to be out in Las Vegas. Ferrario, if you've got it, let's hear the second clip from Stephen A. today. Trust you me, when guys wanted to go to Vegas because they definitely wanted to go to Vegas, I know this for a fact, Jay, I know you know they wanted to be in Vegas. You could have rented out the win in an encore or something like that. You could have you could have done that, all right, and had some semblance of a bubble, and cats would have been happy. The reason why they're they, they, the reason why they're looking at Orlando, they're like, damn, you got to go through gates, you got to go through a lot of hoops just to do anything. That's a problem for them. Somebody got to say it. These brothers, three, three. You said three months. I'm saying three weeks is a struggle. It's a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen A, I'll tell you what. One thing about him is he's 100% passionate in what he says, and he's 100% right right now. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I would have loved to have been in on those discussions where uh, the NBA and the owners uh, approached the union and said, okay, so the shift, guys. Hey, listen, guys, we got a great idea. The shift, we're going to go from Las Vegas, but we're going to Disney. <laughs> I would have just loved to see. The faces of the players in that moment. Like- just the blood rushing out of their face. The whole time Stephen A's talking, all I can picture is like an NBA player just sitting there nodding his head and be like, damn right, damn right. <laughs> they go to Orlando. Preach, Stephen, preach. Imagine <laughs> NHL players sitting at home right now thinking to themselves, we're going to Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. They're watching this from Stephen A and they're like, yes, can I send this to Gary Bettman, please? <laughs> they are. And I'll tell you what, that's the number one reason that I think the NHL is going to defer to cities that aren't fun or aren't popular. No yeah. disrespect to Edmonton. I've had a couple of really good nights in Edmonton and the people there are fantastic. And actually, I'll tell you this. This time of year, with the way this is going to work out, Edmonton will be a lot more fun than mid-January when you go up there and you can't even walk outside without your eyeballs freezing. So, <laughs> I, you know, but yeah, the, Stephen A's right, man. Like, these guys don't want to be down there. So, to your point yesterday about the NHL on how teams will tank for the draft pick, right? I'm not saying teams are going to tank at the NBA, but how many guys are going to be like, hmm? kind of sort of motivated but kind of sort of not and the NBA is even more so than the NHL because like the NHL I get it from a front office perspective right you're like sitting back in your office thinking how can we make sure that we lose this first round (laughs) but the players aren't thinking that as much as my my belief is that the the front office will see that players never feel that way they look at it and they say we got a shot to win a Stanley Cup in the NBA there will be certain guys that are like man our team ain't winning a title you can get a little lucky you get a little hot, you have a goalie that's playing above his head, and you Uh you find a way to go on a little bit of a run in the NHL. It never happens in the NBA. It's one of the biggest critiques of the league, is that you very rarely have a surprise team winning the title. We kind of know right now four or five teams that have Toronto was a bit of a surprise last year. They were. I mean, listen, they were a heck of a team, and Kawhi Leonard is an incredible basketball player, but that's about as much of a surprise as you're going to get. And they were one of the four or five best teams in the league all season long. Exactly. So you know right now, there's probably four-ish teams that have any realistic <laughs> shot of winning the title. And if you're not one of those four teams and you're down in Orlando, yeah, there's probably some thoughts going through your mind right now of how long do I really want to be here? I don't know how they're going to do this, man. They, uh, the NBA and I, we did see their list of like fun things that are looking to provide <laughs> for the guys, but 
Like, nowhere on that list. It says DJ sets and stuff like that, but I, I like you, BK. I love you, okay? You're my boy. Ferrario, you're my boy. But uh, sitting there watching <laughs> DJ sets with you guys uh, uh, two or three weeks into this thing, it's going to get a little old. You know, if I'm a 22-year-old NBA starting player and I'm not married or I'm not committed to a girlfriend or if I do have a girlfriend, like, I'm going to get sick of you guys and I'm going to want to have some interaction with the outside world. And no matter what the NBA provides inside the bubble, unless they provide people inside the bubble, it's just not going to be the same. See, I think there's a small minority that are happy about this bubble in terms of the younger players because they they can do what they've been doing. They can be locked in a room and play video games and also play their sport. Yeah, but Alex, that's going to be for like a couple weeks. And then when they start playing and they're getting these TV interviews and the social media is blowing up and their popularity is rising because people are happy to see the sport again, they're going to wish they're at the club. <laughs> they're going to wish to be walking and getting bottle service and hanging out. You know what I mean? So jumping on to Fortnite or whatever the heck Call of Duty you're on, that's just not going to cut it for these guys after about two weeks. I have two stories to uh, report. First one comes from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. He's an NBA insider. He just reported a story on several positive COVID tests shutting down the Denver Nuggets' practice facility. So that's a bit of an issue. And uh, completely unrelated, a quote from Dr. Fauci this morning. Oh, the Fouch man. Bars. Bars are really not good. (laughs) Really? Again, completely unrelated. Those two things, completely unrelated. So here's where it gets so hard, right? Because, again, so let's go back to, let's just use the NBA. We could use any sport, MLB, NHL, anything you want. Let's just use the NBA right now because that's kind of the topic that we're, we're stuck on here. And... The bars. So Dr. Fauci and people agree with him. They don't agree with him. Some people love him. Some people hate him. We're not sure. Okay, but he. I believe he's trying in some capacity to help. And I think and that, he's a doctor. And he's he's way more qualified than I am to talk about anything medical or certainly as far as disease control is concerned. The bars, guys, that's the number one thing. And I was talking to somebody the other day, and I'm like, it's not so much the going in and hanging out. It's once you have a couple of drinks, your your ability to recognize that you're, like, standing on top of somebody uh, next to a mouth breather who's had half a gallon of Crown Royal. And, you know, like, it just it increases your odds to somehow get into an area where you're possibly going to get this virus and i just think that the bars like dr fauci said that's probably the biggest hurdle we're going to have for these pro athletes is trying to keep them out of the bars because that's the social life that they know it's going to be damn near impossible (laughs) and it's the job of all of these leagues to find a way to make it possible and that's that's my biggest concern about major league baseball because at least with the nhl and the nba you're in a bubble city and maybe you have a little bit more control over the these things for major league baseball you don't you're just going to hotels and random cities scattered across america and you're saying to yourselves well everybody's on the honor code hopefully you stay true to it and i i don't know how they will be able to do so that's jamie rivers he's alex ferrario i'm brandon Kylie. it's ribs and bk on 101 espn it's a huge 
Are we about to see an extension of the CBA? And what will that mean for the league moving forward? We'll ask Mark Spector, an NHL columnist for Sportsnet, when he joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues star defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We are broadcasting live from the E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center as we prepare for the Blues to ramp back up for the postseason. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line where we are happy to be joined by senior NHL columnist for Sportsnet.com. Mark Spector joining us here on Ribs and BK. Mark, how are you doing today, my friend? Oh, we're doing pretty well. What's going on down in St. Louis? Oh, we're hanging in, Mark, and we are seeing all of these positive tests pop up right now, and i got to be honest, it's a bit disconcerting for me as I'm rooting for the return of hockey and being able to see these Blues try to defend their Stanley Cup championship. What's your confidence level right now that we will not only see the season resume but actually be able to see it finish here as they get ready to ramp things back up? Well, it's I'm not saying it's as good, you know, today as it was a week ago because it's not. Um, I think the bigger issue, you know, how would I say? There's two issues here. Where we're going to play games, right? And, you know, I, I think, I know I live in Edmonton and people might say, oh, he just wants the games in Edmonton. I don't care where they are. I'm going to end up watching them on TV anyway. But in an environment where COVID's going through the roof in a place like Vegas, uh, and then you have a, you know, you have two Canadian hubs, certainly one in Edmonton. We're a, a small city. We're just over a million people around here, and our COVID numbers are very, 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 very light. So the fact that we're still considering places like Vegas and even a Chicago, and, and I know L.A. seems to have fallen out of the race, and they haven't settled on sites like an Edmonton, tells me that it's about more than how the COVID is going on, right? It's about money. It's about cost. It's about other things. So that's disconcerting to me. And the other thing I'll say, guys, is they've, they've obviously they've included extending the CBA into all these negotiations. And that, to me, is I think they should have been culling their to-do list, the PA and the NHL. We all know how long it takes these guys to settle on on extending a PA. And if we're waiting around for the, or a CBA, if we're waiting around for the Players Association, the NHL, to figure out how they're going to extend the CBA for four years, I mean, we might be sitting here for a long time. Okay, Mark, uh, two things that I know we want to dive into to, I'll let my partner get to the CBA thing in a minute. I want to dive back into the Hub City thing because this, along with the lottery draft the way it happened the other day, this seems to be one of the biggest topics of discussion is how is the NHL not identified where they're going to go? And I'm wondering why have they waited so long? And you, know, you talk about the CBA, maybe it's attached at the hip with that. Um, and also uh, the cost of all this. You bring that up uh, Look, I know I'm from Canada. The U.S. dollar is way more powerful than the Canadian dollar as it is, as it sits right now. Wouldn't the NHL just love to go into Edmonton and Toronto and spend less money in this whole ordeal? 
Well, you'd think, you know, the, the word is that the MGM's given them a, almost a free hotel in Las Vegas, so you'll save some money there. Uh, and there are money, you know, there is money associated with, with maintaining your bubble in a place like Toronto where things are going to be more spread out. That's going to be, there would be some cost involved there. But I will say to you that everything that happens in Canada, you save 33% on your dollar when you're America, right? So, sure, uh, you know, the, listen, I, I'm, I'll be disappointed. I won't be surprised. I'll be disappointed if it turns out to be true that that we're more concerned with saving money than we are with saving lives here. Like this should be 100% about the ability to put on a COVID-free atmosphere. It shouldn't be about saving a couple points on the dollar, Jamie. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, like you said, some of that's gotten lost in here. And when you do look at the numbers in a Las Vegas, a Chicago, L.A., which we talked about, that's they're pretty much out of it now. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the bigger focus, in my opinion, should be providing a safe environment for the players which I guess brings me to my next question is we're talking about bubbles and hub cities for the regular season and moving forward with that but yet we're going to do training camps in the team's own cities and the players will not be in a bubble environment at all and is this maybe the reason we're seeing some positive tests pop up? Well, and they haven't even started yet. The positive tests are starting, you know, with guys that are showing up in the cities are getting tested. They're, they're arriving positive. So I think, and I'm not alone in this, and you touch on it, there, there's a huge hole in this system here. They're really working to have a, a you know, contained bubble for phase four when they start playing games. And and let's, let's go on the assumption that they can, you know, if everybody stays inside the bubble, that they can pull this thing off. Let's just assume that for the sake of this conversation but phase three is you know guys all arrive in st louis right the the entire blues club they all get tested and they're you know obviously if you're negative you start practicing with the team and the blues will put together an excellent bubble inside their arena it it will be clean it will be sanitized you're you know the in theory you're not catching anything at the rink but then guys go home after practice. They get in their car and they drive home and they maybe stop for groceries, you know, or, or their wife is out shopping for groceries or whatever. It, to me, there's zero containment in phase three. And, you know, I'm going to say this too, Jamie, you backed me up on this. These NHL players have been away from each other for over two months now. And their majority of them are young and single and rich. Huh. And what happens when 25 guys get back together after 25 buddies after two months away from each other? Do you think they just all go home and go to bed at 8 o'clock? Like, <laughs> generally speaking, there's a beer to be had somewhere, and that's where this thing falls apart in my eyes. Yeah, Mark, I agree. And we talked about it a little, a little earlier on our show just regarding the NBA guys and now certainly the NHL guys. And, yeah, guys are going to want to get together. They're going to socialize a little bit. And they're certainly going to want to socialize in a capacity that, uh, you know, before they go into this bubble situation. So, right. uh, yeah, right. real good point by you. I also have concerns. As we're talking with Mark Spector, he's a senior NHL columnist for Sportsnet. I do have a concern, even whenever they get to Phase 4, Mark, about 
the employees at these, whether it be the arena or more specifically the hotels, because we're running into this a little bit as we're reading about the NBA protocols. The Disney employees are coming in and out of the bubble. And so as much as we call it a bubble, it's really not because it's being penetrated every day with these new employees coming in. And I wonder, Mark, from what you're hearing about how the NHL is going to do this, are they planning to have the employees at these hotels sequestered as well? Are they going to be quarantined or are they just going to be able to come and go as they please as well? That's a, that in my, uh, maybe someone at the NHL knows the answer to that. I do not know the answer to that. The NHL has clearly not been, you know, they're not laying all their cards on the table with these things. You make an excellent point. If it doesn't work that way, it compromises your bubble. If it doesn't work that way and you're in a place like Vegas where the COVID's going through the roof, your bubble doesn't stand a chance if the employees are coming in and out. Uh, who's paying the employee at the hotel to stay inside a bubble for over two months away from their family, right? Like, if you're unionized, in, in which most of the Vegas casino people are, you know, what's the cost involved with that? Keeping a hotel full of staff inside some bubble. And where are they sleeping? The hotel's filled with NHL people. So there's a lot of questions, man. And and I don't know. <laughs> you're not talking to the guy that has all the answers to him. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> I think one of the big questions, too, Mark, is what's going to happen with the CBA? You mentioned it early on, and there's been some buzz that we could get some good news on this at the very minimum, an MOU um, that could potentially suggest that we are going getting closer to towards the CBA being agreed upon by both sides. What are you hearing on that? And how huge would it be if they are able to actually come together in this moment and sign that four-year, five-year, however many-year extension on this current CBA? But we'd all love that because that means we'd all have hockey, you know, agreed upon for the next four or five years or whatever it is. Everyone wants – there's two things for hockey fans and hockey media. Nobody wants to know what's going on inside that CBA because it's boring and it's <laughs> Millionaires versus billionaires, and we just want it done so we can watch the games because that's why we're all hockey fans. Okay, so let's hope it gets done. I want to say this: they're already at the pressure point, right? We're on the last day of July of June. This is it is at midnight tonight that all these things expire. It is on July first that players' contracts expire. It is on July first that players are due millions of dollars in signing bonuses. So the fact that it's played out till we're literally at midnight here on the clock tells me that the NHL and the NHLPA are doing what they always do, right? It's a game of brinksmanship. It's you know, what happens if we wake up tomorrow, Jamie, and there's no there's no new CBA, and there's you know how, however many players, 200 players, are due a signing bonus. Where's that money coming from? They haven't collected a dollar in the NHL since March 11th. How's that going to work? So there's a you know, there's pressure to, to, you know, there's immediate financial pressure coming at you at midnight tonight. And there's obviously pressure. If, if I'm a hub city, like we're starting games here, I believe, you know, around July, what, 29, 28, 30. Yeah. We're a month away of trying to create this bubble. And it, maybe I have to sequester employees at a hotel. There is so much work involved in being a hub city and we're a month away and you don't even know if you're if you're a hub city or not yet 
Now, Mark, last one for me here, and uh, we talked about the CBA, and yeah, you're right, we're, we're at the deadline, and it, none of us know how the NHL, the Players Union, is going to handle some of these issues of expiring contracts, signing bonuses, and all these other things. But last week, we had uh, Artemi Panarin, who, let's be honest, you know, most hockey players don't get out there and voice their opinion as a whole. Traditionally, you know, everybody kind of keeps that in the locker room, in the office, whatever it is, behind closed doors. He comes out, calls out the owners for the escrow that's been going on out there. How much of a sticking point is this escrow going to be with the CBA as far as from the player's standpoint? Because I know the owners are probably pretty happy with the setup right now, but how much pushback are the players going to have in this? Well, what they'll want is a limit on their escrow. They're getting, you know, they're literally looking at a 20% escrow. So every guy that makes a million dollars starts his year off making $800,000. And, and there's also being, remember, you're being taxed on all that too. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the listeners out there who may not be positive what escrow is, there's an agreement that it's a 50-50 split on all the revenues. But what the, the owners don't know what the revenues are going to be every year. So they withhold some players' money, and then they figure out what the 50-50 split is, and they generally give the players back some of their money at the end of the year. That's the layman's way of doing this. Well, there's been no revenue. The league's getting crushed, and the players are going to be asked to, to leave a ton of their money you know, in the owner's bank account to be given back maybe later on. And hey, nobody likes that. I'll say this. The, play, the PA signed up on this CBA. PA signed to be in this position. They agreed to this CBA. They agreed to escrow, and now they're complaining about it. You know what? Right? If you didn't like it, don't sign the deal. So, I don't have a ton of sympathy for players, guys. Uh, They signed on the dotted line for this system, and now they're living it. He's Mark Spector. You can find his work on Sportsnet, where he's a senior NHL columnist. You can also give him a follow on Twitter as well, at SportsnetSpec. S-P-O-R-T-S-N-E-T-S-P-E-C. Mark, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, and hopefully we'll be able to talk hockey again soon about what's actually taking place on the ice. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you guys somewhere around soon. Take care now. You got it. That is Mark Spector joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's crazy how many questions questions still have to be answered and we've got at this point less than a month for all of them to have legitimate answers jamie i liked his no bs approach to everything i'll tell you that much first of all you got to respect the canadian accent right <laughs> oh my gosh did that take me back for a second he started talking i was like oh yeah hey. you gotta get me a molson fella I was like, this is craziness. I didn't realize it before. It's been a while. But uh, having Mark on was great, but he didn't hold back. And I like that about Mark. He doesn't hold back, and he makes some really good points. And the points that he makes kind of, uh, I guess it brings up a lot of question marks for us, certainly as fans of the game now. Yeah, we, we talk sports, but we're fans of the game now. And, you know, there's a lot of hurdles to get over still. Speaking of questions, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We'll get to some of your questions for questions. Questions and answers and next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, that's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. As the big boys, big voice said, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. 
Jamie, did you see the high-speed car chase yesterday here in St. Louis? Were you able to watch any of that? No, I don't know what the heck, what bubble I was in. What I don't know what time of day it was. Obviously, I'm at the rink for... Uh, well, it was half the afternoon, basically. Okay, well, I would have been on the ice then. and that, So, yeah, when you're on the ice, it's almost like you're in seclusion. I don't know what's going on in the outside world. Talk Ferrario. to me about it, though. Ferrari. I saw you wrote something about this. Oh, yeah. Mario, were you able to watch this yesterday? Oh, yeah. Anytime there's a high-speed car chase in St. Louis, I am glued to the television until he runs out of gas, crashes, or the cops get a hold of him. And we had two of the three yesterday. Oh, baby. In this car, in this uh, high-speed car chase. It started on the other side of the river, Jamie. It went through downtown St. Louis. It went through the county. It ended up all the way over in Union, I believe is where he what finished this thing. It was Must have had a full tank. And he was driving a tank, too. <laughs> wait, what? Like he Not was, an actual no, tank. No, not a tank. Like, wait a minute. No. Now his, I really feel dumb. His car was just thick as can be. I think it was a Cadillac. Yeah. It was like a early 2000s, maybe, maybe late 90s Cadillac. It was built for this kind of oh, an event. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. He, about an hour in, he went over a spike strip and his front driver's side tire, and I couldn't have fixed this for him, but he certainly <laughs> wasn't fixing it either. His front driver's side tire rips to shred. He's just running on a wheel at this point. Are there sparks flying? No. Oh, wow. It was amazing. For 30 minutes, Maybe he was it just was driving. It, it very well may have been a Batmobile. Okay. I, I think that's the only explanation. <laughs> what I saw yesterday, and as I was watching this on the broadcast, the guy on the broadcast was like, I'm really impressed right now. I can't believe he's still going. And I was like, I'm impressed as well. I don't know how this has happened. It, it, it seemingly should have been impossible what was done yesterday. Now, he ended up like just running into a, a little bit of a curb, and he, he was done. It, That's it the part over. that always gets me. Like, they're so incredible. You're so enthralled by how long they can stay away from the cops. They go over spikes, and they still survive. <laughs> but then they, like, just, you know, spin out at some weird turn, and then it comes to a just disappointing conclusion. It's I, like Mario Kart. They yes. hit the banana peel, and it's all over. Yeah, who shot the turtle shell? <laughs> it was amazing, too, because he was just, like, going up this road. And it, it, he was on the highway for most of it and ended up getting off on, a, on an exit ramp, and suddenly he was just kind of going through town and whatnot. And he's just going straight, and you can tell, oh, this this road ends. What's he doing? And he switched straight <laughs> well, up. Well, he was car. missing he was like, a tire, first out. of all. Probably yeah. not the greatest uh, steering response that he's he getting from the car. He went full NASCAR driver out of the window to the side and like, oh, like, tried to jump out. It, it, have it you ever have you far. ever sought, sat there and thought, like, how long would I last in a high-speed car chase? No, never once. No, never? I've actually out. never thought no. of really it. Oh, no, man, I've I'm thought like, about it before. Now, I never wanted to, but think about it. Like, how long would you last? How good are your driving skills? Well, with my truck, I'd probably be able to go quite a ways. I mean, off-road would not be an issue, and that's probably where I would take it immediately is to find yeah. a field and all that, throw that sucker into four-wheel high. Go up a and hill. And just go and see if these cops can follow me. I always wonder what the end game is. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah. let's, you, you've gone an hour and a half. Now what? Well, 40 years ago, the end game was probably better than it is now, right? Because you jump on the radio, and we have social media, we have TV cameras, we have helicopters that find you with Within two minutes, and now what? Hey, like oh. going into the parking garage, that's great in Hollywood, but it doesn't work in the real world because they just surround that thing and wait. Uh, so OJ I, made it, Rivs. Yeah, but it was. He, he just got that, back to his house, though. but that wasn't a high speed chase, so it doesn't count. Well, that it was, was high speed in his chase. mind. <laughs> he was high, all right. <laughs>
What? I was watching this entire thing with our bosses, Tommy and, and Kiowski. I was signing my contract yesterday, and, and Tommy looks over at John, and he was like, hey, do you mind if we put on the high-speed car chase? So my first ever on-air contract was signed during the hour-and-a-half high-speed car now, chase. okay, so How I, about ju- that? I wanted to figure that out, too, because I, I thought maybe it was a strategy of yours to put the high-speed <laughs> chase on. So that way they're just and signing then they things just sign the contract and don't notice that you're actually an employee now? He's adding, company. like... <laughs> little extra incentives in his contract while they're all staring yeah. at the television. $70,000 bonus on July 1st, 2020. Yeah, I, I wrote that one in. BK goes ahead of ribs now. That's okay. Oh. Put ribs in bigger font then. <laughs> <laughs> With J.B. Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. One more quick question for questions and answers from the three. Cardinals question for you guys. Aren't the Cardinals still paying Mike Leak? If so, how much? Because I think he was owed about $5 million this year. With him opting out, do we save money for that? I thought that they washed that completely when they made that trade because that's how big of a deal it was. They got rid of him and they brought in Tyler O'Neill, correct? So, uh, reading Derek Gould last night, and I'm only going on his reporting because I got nothing on it. I have no idea. Um, he said that the Cardinals will save about a million and a half dollars by Mike Leak opting out of the season. So, it's not nothing. It is money. So, technically, that they're still paying him. They were supposed to this year. Yeah, but had he not opted out, the Cardinals would have been paying correct. him. Correct. But now that he opted okay. out, the Cardinals do not have to pay him. That's correct. Bonus. Nice. $1.5 million. So, that Nolan Arenado deal, let's go. <laughs> Go do it. Conspiracy theory Ferrario. The Cardinals were the reason Mike Leak retired. Oh, there we go. <laughs> John Mozeliak called him up and said, hey, buddy, we need to save uh, about a million and a half dollars. Can you just not show up this year? Yeah, we're not very profitable. We're going to need that 1.5 back. It's biblical well, if losses. The Cubs, <laughs> if the Cubs were his previous team, he would have been having to pay them for all of their losses. Right. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN broadcasting live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. The Cardinals have been really good early in the season over the last decade. If you look at their first 60 games, among the best in baseball. How does that change how you view this 60-game season for the Cards? We'll answer that question for you next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. the different looks than the Cardinals could throw at an opponent. Um, you know, I know that the starters go out there and they're going to try to go seven, eight innings, but let's say at the beginning, there's a real limitation of them going four or five innings. Well, you go four or five innings from Adam Wainwright, and then you come from the left side with 98 mile an hour sink and Genesis Cabrera, or you go, you know, four or five innings from Dakota Hudson with the power sinker, and then you get out there with a uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon who can rise the high spin rate, elevated fastball. I mean, it's just different look after different look. Um, You know, so that third at bat looks way different than the first two. That was Derek Gould on the morning show, Carriker and Smallman, earlier this week, yesterday, in fact, talking about the Cardinals pitching options and how much of an advantage that can be for them in this shortened season. Jamie, that's a big advantage for the Cardinals in a typical season. They are one of the best teams in baseball at 
finding and developing young pitching, and that helps early on. We know the bats warm up as the summer warms up, and early on in the season, if you're a team that has that quality pitching, you've got a real shot to get off to a hot start. And in the last decade, that's been exactly what the Cardinals have done. Over the last 10 years, I looked into this yesterday, and the Cardinals' first 60 games, they've won at least 31, so they've gone over 500 in the first 60 games, 9 out of the 10 seasons. Only once did they not do so? And that was in 2017 when they were 28 and 32 after the first 60 games of the season. I view this as a positive for a 60 game season for this reason, Jamie. If they can do that in the first 60 games in a normal season because of their pitching, and I think that the pitching is going to become even more important, the depth of your pitching staff is going to become even more important in a season like this when your starters are going three or four innings early on, I think that gives them an even bigger early season advantage this year. But I think it's probably over that first 30 games as opposed to the full 60 this time around. What do you think about that? Yeah, obviously, look, 60-game season, and uh, where does 500 get you in that, by the way? Like, there's a lot of divisional 30 games. wins. I can do that math. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good one. Well played. However, what I'm talking about is because there's so many in-division games, like, if you go 500, I'm wondering where that puts you in the standings. I know it's all hypothetical, and I'm not smart enough to think that fast on the it's fly. It's a good question. Like, how many games do you need to win to realistically make it to the playoffs? Or to win year? your division. Yeah. Like, 500 might put you six games ahead of the next person because everybody keeps knocking each other off along the way. So, um, that being said, yeah, the Cardinals have great depth. And if what I'm hearing is true, that Jordan Hicks is going to actually play this year, um, and there's question marks because of uh, him being a type 1 diabetic and at risk and, and so on and so on. And coming back from Tommy John, he appears to be healthy and ready to go. And if he's part of it, it just increases their depth of pitching. It gives them that legitimate closer that last year was floated around and kind of taken care of by committee. Now, mind you, they did have Martinez, who came came in and was that acting closer towards the end, but let's be honest, Jordan Hicks is a solid closer, and he's your go-to guy. Now you just have to worry about the rest of the game, the four innings from your starter, maybe a couple innings from your mid-relief, and you kind of go from there, and the Cardinals, on paper anyways, as we said, are a team that have tremendous depth in that area, and that along with their run prevention, defense, the way Mike Schilt likes his team built, yeah, they'll have plenty of opportunities opportunity to win games by playing good defense and solid pitching and then it's going to go right the attention is going to go right back onto the bats the part that gets me when you talk depth of pitching for the cardinals guys isn't the fact that you have all of these arms because a lot of teams have the arms but what the cardinals have are the arms that can go deep into games for you i mean you can just sit there and talk about your five-man rotation but a normal five-man rotation if everyone's healthy means you're not going to have a kwang yun kim in there it means you're not going to have an alex Reyes in there means you're not going to have an Austin Gomber or a John Gant or a Ponce de Leon. I mean, you can name another five or six man rotation that you have to find a position to put them in a bullpen. So let's say an injury pops up. Knocking on wood, that doesn't happen. But if it does, the Cardinals have that opportunity to go to one of their players in the bullpen or the taxi squad that they have just as much faith in than their top five in the rotation, which I don't know if a lot of teams in the National League have that luxury of. I just looked at their 
non-roster plus 40-man guys, Jamie, and listen to this list of guys that could potentially be coming out of the bullpen and, as Ferrario just mentioned, could maybe make even some spot starts for you this season. Gallegos, Gant, Gomber, Helsley, Miller, Ponce de Leon, Webb, Fernandez, Reyes, Woodford, Cody Whitley. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and I feel confident in basically every one of those dudes yeah. coming in in a big game and a big moment when you need it and finding a way to get th- get you through an inning with potentially quality innings. There isn't another team in baseball, and I, I feel pretty confident in saying this. There's not another team in baseball that has that kind of depth within their pitching staff this year. And with all of the concerns about both getting sick this year with COVID or the injury issues that could pop up because we are having such an abbreviated spring training in this summer camp 2.0, whatever they're calling it now, there's going to be pitchers that go down this season. You're going to need that depth. You're going to have to go into that 13th guy on the pitching staff to give you an important moment in mid-August. The Cardinals have that guy, and a lot of teams in the National League can't say the same thing. I don't know if they have the upside in the lineup that some of the other teams across the National League have this year, but I'm very confident that they have the pitching that's going to make them at the very minimum a contender for the playoffs. And if you get in, we always know what can happen once you get into the playoffs, especially with the pitching staff as quality as this one. Yeah, look, uh, I I think that uh, that's an awful lot of good players. (laughs) You just (laughs) talked about, like, I'm sitting here and I had no idea. And I don't know, our listeners probably are dialed in a lot more than I am, but hearing those names, I'm going, oh my gosh, like I actually, I know all those guys. They're not nobodies. They're not just like guys that are sitting down in the minors or sitting on the shelf that you're like, oh boy, we got to play this guy. And that's going to be a huge advantage. And you nailed it on the head, Rivs. I I mean, you really just need to worry about that in-between of your pitching, your starting pitchers who can give you five innings and then get to the seventh inning. Because if Hicks is available for you, you're talking a trio of however you want to put it, but just in my mind right now, an Andrew Miller, a Gallegos, and then a Jordan Hicks. You got to get somebody who can get you five to six, the fifth to sixth innings, and you have plenty of guys capable for that. So in the National League Central last year, the Cardinals won the division with 91 wins on the season, and that was about a 56% winning percentage. To get to that winning percentage over a 60-game season, you have to win 33 or 34 games, probably. Let's say 34 games yeah. this season. 34 and 26 is very attainable. Now, but I, it, here's my thing with it too, and I I don't mean to cut you off. Sure. But if I don't stop you, I'll forget because I've been hitting the head <laughs> a lot. So that number that you just said, what, thirty two wins, thirty four, thirty four wins. Okay, that's regular as far as you're talking about playing all these other divisions and whatnot. But how much will that be magnified because they're going to play their own division even more? So every game with whoever you're playing, you're potentially losing a game or gaining a game every single time you take the field. So 34 wins. I mean, that might be astronomical at the end of the year when you have a team with 34 wins because of so many divisional games. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. And the other thing that you've got is you're going up against arguably the worst division in baseball with the AL Central, and so there's going to be built-in wins whenever the Cardinals play Kansas City, for instance, because the Royals stink right now, and so whenever you play them six times, that should be six easy wins for the Cardinals. That's 10% of your schedule that you've already got basically chalked up as a W more often than not. So, I in the Tigers as well, if you play them, let's say, five times, that's 11 games right there that you feel really good about right off the bat. Now, the rest of your division also plays those teams, so it'll just be... not all that strong. 
strong. Sure, but you're you're going to have artificially um, enhanced wins this season, yeah. where you're just going to get to the end of the year, and the Cardinals and the NL Central have a little bit of an advantage over the NL East and over the NL West by playing the AL Central this year. So it's it's going to be fascinating. I don't know what the number is going to be, but I'll go with 34-35 is probably what you should be aiming at to be able to win the NL Central. And I think the Cardinals, because of their pitching, absolutely have a chance to do exactly that. For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's catch up with our friend Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic coming up next. What's he make of all of these positives that are popping up around the National Hockey League? We'll ask JR next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN broadcasting live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. We're happy to be joined by Jeremy Rutherford. He's the Blues insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. JR, how you doing today, man? Doing well, boys. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing fantastic. So I wanted to talk to you first about the NHL situation right now because we've been hearing, I think for the last two weeks now, that at any point in time we could be hearing some sort of an announcement on a hub city or the CBA. Where are we at with all of this? Are we getting close? I think uh, getting close, and you're right, it has been a a bit of Groundhog Day in terms of waiting for those two hub cities to be announced, but I think it's with good reason because these are tied to the CBA talks, and we all like it when we hear that there could be a CBA extension. We don't want work stoppage. The two sides seem to be working hand-in-hand trying to come back from the pandemic, and in fact, you know, they've included uh, a possible extension. So what I've heard and what I've read talking to people is that – I think they have the hub cities fairly well nailed down. They've got it down to, you know, three or so. Toronto and, of course, uh, Vegas being the front runners. Edmonton, I think, is still in the mix. And I think that uh, they still have some things to negotiate in terms of the CBA. And, and once they get that down, once they get this phase three, phase four protocol down, then I think we'll hear an announcement. JR, just a quick question regarding the hub cities. Uh, look, we're seeing the numbers go up in Vegas. Vegas, and it's turning into a bit of a hot spot. And then you look further north at Edmonton, and we talked to Mark Spector earlier today on the show, and Edmonton, you know, has been relatively quiet as far as COVID numbers. Look, nobody's in a perfect situation, but in in respect to Las Vegas versus Edmonton, there's really no competition when it comes down to, let's say, the health and safety of the players. So why is Vegas still at the top of the class? in this and how is the NHL looking or looking to uh, secure these players to make sure that they're healthy? Yeah, it's a real great question, uh, especially because of what Edmonton has uh, facility-wise and what they've been able to to tell the league about the potential bubble. It makes a lot of sense. And then you throw on top of it, uh, Jamie, uh, the fact that Edmonton's COVID numbers are some of the lowest uh, that you've heard. So Edmonton does make a lot of sense. But, you know, when you question uh, why Vegas, uh, they say that they like the arrangement. The league likes what uh, they've brought to the table in terms of what they can do for the players in terms of the bubble and entertainment. So 
and and so forth. But you know, I don't say that it's nailed down that it's going to be Vegas and Toronto. I think Edmonton is is still in the mix. At least that's what uh, the latest was of the past couple days. There's been some speculation that they might go with the two Canadian cities, uh, Edmonton and Toronto. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, um, they really believe in what uh, Las Vegas has presented, and uh, you know, you can only go by what the league says at this point because we don't see that uh, specific information. Jr. Before we get to the hub cities, they still have to get through the training camps and what they're calling phase three in each individual city. And I think Jamie and I were both kind of taken aback when we saw that the players are not actually going to be isolated whenever they're going through these training camps in any one specific area together. They're just going to go to the go to the ice rinks and then go back home each any given day. How concerning is that to you about being able to get through that training camp without anybody testing positive and then ultimately being able to go wherever that hub city may be? Yeah, I've heard some of your guys' discussion the past couple days, and, you know, I I totally understand uh, what you're saying and agree with you that it is a concern. I just don't know any way around it. I mean, if you're going to put these guys in a bubble in their home city for a month and then you're going to put them out in Vegas, Edmonton, or Toronto for two and a half months, you know, I just don't know that that that's going to fly with these guys. This phase two has been voluntary. Obviously, when they get to training camp, uh, you know, these guys, if if they're going to play, they're going to have to show up, right? So, you know, as we've been saying, not just with the NHL, but with all the sports, these guys are going to have to be disciplined and, and just see the big picture if they're going to make this work. And uh, as far as the numbers, I don't think anybody expected us to be, you know, into phase two and three talking about, wow, there's low numbers, only three players have tested. You know, the league put out a message yesterday that said uh, there's 15 that are in phase two that have tested. There's a, another 11 outside the protocol that have tested positive, And roughly that number has stayed the same. Uh, in the past couple weeks. It's about 5 to 6%. Now as we get closer to training camp, these guys come in, they're going to get tested more. More of them, more of the players are going to be tested. The numbers are going to rise. They, they just really are. But I, I just think it's that uh, that risk number, the risk reward that we've talked about for a couple weeks. You know, what can you tolerate? What can you put up with in terms of numbers and still execute a playoff? That's going to be the big question. Yeah, JR, the Blues coming up with their training camp, hopefully here very soon. But we look at the numbers, and, yeah, there's going to be more positive tests. The more to guys you test, it's going to come back that way. What, what about these numbers is alarming at all? Or should we not be alarmed that we're seeing these numbers? And then follow-up to that is uh, how ready are these players going to be following that if they test positive and they have to quarantine? Now they're 14 days behind as far as the training camp is concerned. How is that going to affect some of these? teams. Yeah, no, that's going to be the big concern. You know, what are these numbers going to be a week into training camp, two weeks into training camp? Can you ice a team? Is the taxi squad uh, going to be uh, big enough? What what players are we talking about? I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter uh, whether you're talking about a fourth-line forward or a, a top defenseman in terms of who's sick, but, you know, are we talking about the, the Crosbys and the McDavid's and the Tarasenko's are out? You know, I think that's going to be an issue, but, you know, Riv, I'll kind of turn this back at you uh, for one second. The closer we get to this date... 
the more I'm hearing from players, and I'm not just talking about Blues players, I'm talking about players around the league, they really wonder if this is worth it. I've heard from a lot of players who I can tell you they don't want to play. And, and I think uh, when you look at uh, the negotiations that are going on, everything to date has been mostly about how can we get back on the ice in terms of making this work financially. And a lot of the players feel that there hasn't been enough talk on the safety. So don't know what you've heard, but it, it seems like as we get closer, a lot of these players are questioning whether this is worth it or not. Well, yeah, you know, you're, you're right, JR. There are there have been a lot of questions from a lot of players. And, yeah, I've talked to a number of guys uh, in the NHL, not necessarily Blues players, that's for sure. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the number one thing they talk about, and that's why I had the question for you, is, well, look at Vegas. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, th- this might be a great idea for the NHL, and it might be great for revenue or cost-saving, whatever. But we're essentially jumping into the eye of the hurricane by going, to Vegas because the numbers are so high. So I do think that some players are more concerned uh, about the NHL's vision of the dollars and cents and maybe less about the health and safety side of it. But a follow-up to that, JR, is how is the NHL going to disclose these positive tests? Because we all know, like with the injury reports, we get an upper body, we get a lower body, we get a mid body. We're not sure what the heck is actually going on. We get something, but we certainly don't always get an accurate report. I'm wondering, are the teams going to have to report immediately when there's a a positive test, or do they just have to eventually report it along the way? Yeah, we're going to have to wait and and see how that plays out. Uh, You know, what we've seen the past couple weeks is the league has gone from naming teams, and we saw the the shutdown in Tampa Bay, and the league acknowledged that, to now we get the the report, and hey, it's good. You know, at least they're they're staying on top of it, Uh, but they're not disclosing teams, and and certainly not disclosing names of players because of HIPAA rules and all that. So when we get to the playoffs and you see two guys aren't practicing or you see two guys aren't going to be involved uh, in the next game, are they going to describe that as, you know, upper body? Are they going to have a special category for, you know, COVID? This player is in some sort of uh, quarantine. You know, I I just don't know at at this point. But to me, it's going to obviously take over the headlines, who's practicing, who's playing, who's not. I would think that it would be in the league's best interest to at least identify the players who are in question in terms of being sick and uh, potentially uh, quarantine and not make it uh, a complete guessing game, uh, so on and so forth. But I have not seen those details. Well, we're talking to Jeremy Rutherford. He's the Blues insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. It's interesting you say that a lot of players are now asking if this is all worth it, JR. In, in your own opinion, do you think that this is all worth it? Well, BK, it's a, it's a great question. It's a tough one because everybody wants to see hockey back. Everybody wants to see sports back. Uh, we were all hoping that, you know, once you got through the initial lockdown stage and things started to open up, that we'd get ourselves into a, a world where we could slowly make our way back. And, yeah, everybody knew there was the potential for a wave, but now you just see the numbers increasing on the rise uh, throughout the country, and it's it's disturbing. And, and so, you know, I know that's first and foremost what, what we're thinking, but what these players are also thinking about is okay so we're going to go play hockey for a couple months we're going to risk injury because we haven't really played in forever and 
we're going to do all of this and a cram next season into so little days because there's going to be you know such little time uh, to get that entire schedule in. Is it worth it from that perspective? I think I'm hearing more and once more and more players say, "Okay, look, I'm going to lose some money in escrow. I'm going to forfeit some money, but I think we should just shut it down and prepare for next season and play that uh, out over the, 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 the necessary number of days and play a full season. Let's not rush into this. Let's not get into a playoff that we then have to backpedal on uh, because of COVID and then put ourselves in a situation where we can't play a full 2020-21 season. To me, you know, I'm sure that's what Riv's heard. That's, that's what I've heard. He's Jeremy Rutherford. You can find his work over on The Athletic. You can read him as well. Uh, find his work on Twitter at JP Rutherford. We always appreciate him joining us here on Ribs and BK. JR, be good, my friend. Have a happy fourth for you and your family, and we'll talk with you again next week. Sounds good, boys. Thanks. You bet. That's Jeremy Rutherford joining us here on Ribs and BK. Is this all worth it? It's a question that I've seen raised more often over the last 24 hours or so than I had at any point in time prior. And we're going to discuss that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Talking about players around the league. They really wonder if this is worth it. I've heard from a lot of players who I can tell you they don't want to play. And, and I think uh, when you look at uh, the negotiations that are going on, everything to date has been mostly about how can we get back on the ice in terms of making this work financially. And a lot of the players feel that there hasn't been enough talk on the safety. So don't know what you've heard, but it, it seems like as we get closer, a lot of these players are questioning whether this is worth it or not. That's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. The voice you just heard was Jeremy Rutherford joining us moments ago. If you missed it, 101ESPN.com is the place where you find the podcast page. And Jamie, that's the question that we're hearing a lot of lately. Is this all even worth it? I saw yesterday reading the New York Post, Joel Sherman asked that exact question of the baseball season. Is it even worth it to play the 60-game season? You saw, if you were uh, reading Twitter last night, Bill Shaken of the LA Times tweeted out that Mark McGuire went on radio out in LA and said, if the players are going to play this season, they should be wearing masks while they're on the field of play. All shaky. Moments ago, Massachusetts announced that they're going to require a 14-day quarantine for anybody uh, flying into Massachusetts if they're coming from out of state. Well, that's going to affect the Boston Red Sox if they go back to Massachusetts. It could Where's affect their minor league team, Pawtucket. Is that is that still their minor league team for the Red Sox? I don't know, man. I'm just trying to figure <laughs> out where the heck they're going to play because that's not going to work. Well, I mean, even for the players that are going back for spring training, right? They they need two weeks if they need a quarantine for two weeks before mm-hmm. they're able to go out into the into the world it's going to affect them it could affect the patriots like these are things that have to be asked and then i'm reading earlier today the university of missouri going to require masks in all classes this fall all of this brings up the question is all of this worth it is it worth it jamie and the question that they have to ask themselves is how much does a billion to billions of dollars 
mean to you because that's what's on the line if you don't do it. I hate to put it that way, but that's yeah. the, that's those are the terms that these leagues are looking at it in. The NHL stands to lose at least a billion dollars if they don't return to play this year. And guess who's losing that money? It ain't the owners. They'll find a way to make it up eventually. It's the players. It's coming out of their pocketbooks eventually. Yeah, look, uh, this is the, I mean, this is the ultimate question right now as far as what we're dealing with in these times. And you look at some of the things you mentioned and then you have to look at what we would deem essential businesses. People that go to work every day in the healthcare industry, people that are, you know, firemen, EMTs, I mean, you name it. And, you know, those are things like we need those people. Do we need hockey? Do we need baseball? Well, yeah, we do because we have to have something to talk about, right? So obviously we'd like to see these sports back. But, you know, when you look at it as a whole, the education system, Mizzou talking about students going back with masks on. Well, look, obviously getting a higher education, and that's probably more important than putting a puck in the net as far as a life goal is concerned. Now, it's not more important to fans and revenue streams for players and, and teams and owners and whatnot. Do we need it ultimately? Gosh, BK. Um, look, I think as a society, I think we do need it. I think we need it. I think we're tired of being in this gray area of are we open, are we not, are we healthy, are we not, is it, is it really contagious, is it not, is it deadly, is it not. We need some kind of a distraction. Now, that distraction for me can't come at the ultimate price of putting people in harm's way. You can't put equipment guys trainers, stick boys, whatever it is, locker room attendants. You can't put these guys' lives in jeopardy along with all these millionaire players. And look, there's something that somebody said yesterday. I wish I remember who said it because I'd like to give them credit for it, but it's not my thought, but I'm going to repeat it, is all the players, all the staff, all the scouts, everything, whatever you got to do, they're going to travel and do all this stuff in Major League Baseball, hockey, they're going to be in these hub cities. They're risking things. While the owners are going to be sitting in their living room or their office or their beach house or something watching these games, they're not traveling with general population. They're not taking an Uber on the road. They're not doing it. Now, some of them might do that. Of course, I'm not blanket statement here. I'm not putting them all in the same category, but a lot of them, BK. They're going to opt to just sit back, relax, and try to count the dollar bills as all these other people are putting themselves in harm's way. To me, it's worth it. To me, it's worth it. And I think that's a really important caveat of those first two words. To me, it is. Because for a lot of these players, it very well may not be. And there will be players, and we've already seen it in the NBA. We've seen it a little bit so far, sprinkling out with, I think, four players confirmed thus far that will not be playing in this Major League Baseball season. We've seen some guys opt out. A lot of guys won't. A lot of guys will say to themselves what I just mentioned earlier, that billion-dollar number. Yeah. That makes it worth it for them. And I know it, it, it may sound crass to just put it in those terms of it's about the money, but that's the only reason we're really coming back. They're not doing this for Jamie, you or me or our listeners. They're not. It's not about the no. fans. It's about how do we get to that bottom line number that we need? How do we stay afloat? It's the same it, It's the same risk analysis that any business is taking right now that's opening up here in our St. Louis community, a mom and pa shop that says, listen, is it 100% 
safe? No, I can't guarantee that. But it's as safe as we can make it right now. And if we don't open back up, we're going to go under. It's our only option right now. Yeah. And for a lot of these leagues, it's not about going under, but it's about staying afloat to the point of, okay, we can still make it to where it looks pretty normal next year. And we're going to have to kind of smoothen things out over the next few years to subsidize these losses. But we can make it if we come back and play this postseason and get that billion dollars in revenue. If we don't, though, it's going to look pretty bad. And it's going to look ugly, not just for next year, but the year after that and the year after that. And that's why they're coming back. And so for me, if I'm one of the players, I would go back. If I'm an owner, I'm saying this is worth it to me. But I understand for some of the guys that are out there right now saying to themselves, yeah, for me, it's not worth it. Yeah, and here's one thing, too, I want to make clear um, is that even though we're saying the owners, you know, they, they care about the dollar, this, that, the other. Look, don't get me wrong. When we I, when we narrow it down to, like, each specific team and city, and let's just keep it right here at home, and we're sitting in the E&B Granite Studio at Centene Community Ice Center, Tom Stillman cares. He does. We know he does. He cares about the fans, and the fans are a huge part of what drives the St. Louis Blues to be successful. That being said, though, the St. Louis Blues is a business. And if the business can't be healthy and successful, then it really doesn't matter how much you care about the fans because you're not going to be able to provide them with the best team. They're not going to be able to provide them with a salary cap team, a competitive team, a team that's looking to repeat or even triple down, three-peat on that maybe possibly after next year. You're not going to be able to do that. So ultimately, you have to be a little bit selfish in as far as making sure the business and the company is healthy. Then I do feel that there's a responsibility to make sure that the players are healthy. And I think they go hand in hand, PK, because if your players are safe and healthy, they perform at a greater level, which means your actual business is probably going to go with that and be healthy as well. Then, unfortunately, like you said... Then the fans are in there. I mean, the fans get on the podium, right? You get a bronze medal. That's good. But you're not number one or number two on the list, man. You're you're the third one because if without one and two, you can't have three. It's like a restaurant right now or a brewery or jewelry store, right? They love their patrons. They love the people that mm-hmm. are coming in to uh, eat at their restaurant or drink at their bar or go buy uh, an engagement ring, right? Like, that's a huge moment for those people and those jewelry stores love having those people come in. Same thing for the restaurants. You've got regulars. I was a server. I had regulars that would come in every single week. Some that would come in two, three times a week. And you get to know them. You get to know their families. You have a personal relationship. But the reason why the restaurant is open is not to talk to that person on any given day. <laughs> it's to be able to make a living. You're not it's, serving free food or free alcohol. Exactly. I still yeah. expect a tip at the end of the meal, right? <laughs> and so I like you, but you better tip out. That's the same reason why these, these leagues are coming back. Yes, they do care about the fans. That's not to, to slight the fan, but the reason why they're coming back is not specifically because the fans need it. It's because of the money. Because uh-huh. like you said, they are a business and that's what they're coming back to be able to do is to make that money, that billion plus dollars that they're able to get. So again, for me, I think it's worth it. I do. Um, but I do understand where some of these players are coming from. I understand the legitimate questions that they're asking right now. If I'm an NBA player, I'm frustrated by the fact that I'm going down to Disney World and I'm being quarantined for two to three months. But these Disney World employees, because they have a union, you're you're just they're not getting quarantined in any way. Could could we as the NBA, I would ask this if I was a player, could we as the NBA subsidize their salary, give them an extra God knows how much money, so that way they stay in the bubble with us? And are they going to be tested? 
I don't think so. From from what I so understand. So how does that make any sense then? Like, you know what? I, 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 I don't know why. Maybe I'm a donkey. But I was under the assumption that in this bubble... Everybody that's in there is staying there. Like, they're all being tested, staff included. All of the NBA employees are. Anybody that is a Disney employee because they are unionized. And so can they scrap the Disney employees and bring in their own employees? It's at Disney World. It's at, they're at Disney World Resorts. Yeah, but so. I would negotiate that in the price with Disney. Be like, look, I know that you want your employees here, but this is not Disney World. This is actually NBA World right now. Yeah, it's it's still the property. And it is private property. Yeah, they need a better negotiator. <laughs> they need to bring in Jamie Rivers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be one of the questions that I'm having about the NHL's bubble plan. Because whenever that comes out, if they decide Vegas or Toronto or Edmonton, wherever it may be, that's one of the main questions that I would have for Bill Daly or Gary Bettman. And hopefully we'll be able to talk maybe with Bill Daly after that's announced is what are they doing with these hotel employees? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to have them sequestered in the hotels with the players? Or is it going to be like the NBA where they're going in and out and maybe they are tested, maybe they're not. But that's... That, that's how you have issues arise because you're then having contacts coming in with the outside world and whatever's happening in Vegas is happening for those employees and they bring that back with them into the bubble. One more thought on this is because they, you've got these, we'll call them random strangers that are in and out of the bumble, a bubble all the time. So the NBA, the NHL, not Major League Baseball, we know that. But these young guys, we talk about, they want to go out for a beer. They want to socialize. They miss seeing their buddies. They miss seeing some females. And you're going to have staff members that are, are females as well that are going to be in the bubble. Maybe they miss their boyfriend. Maybe they like to talk to boys on the outside. Whatever it is, right? So now you're going to have these employees that come in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out all the time that these players are going to get to know. People are going to get to know. And uh, some of these employees, they're going to be attractive to some of these players and personnel and people that are working there. And I think this is where you're going to have a problem because they've been isolated for so long that these people who are in and out of the bubble are going to become part of their personal life. But now you're interacting with people who are leaving and coming back. That's going to be an issue. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues that could potentially arise and a lot a lot more questions and answers right now. Hopefully, we'll get some of those answers as we go along here, and I'm certainly going to be asking them if we're able to do so with the NHL. He's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kiley. That's Alex Ferrario. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into the junk drawer. Coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into the junk drawer. Jamie Rivers, what do you have for us today? Okay, so I was perusing the interwebs last night. That's dangerous. Early. It is dangerous. It certainly is. Now, so we've seen these Zoom meetings since the beginning of the pandemic. And we've certainly, uh, we've talked about things that go on in the background, things that go on over the camera. People don't know that they're being videotaped or not, this, that, and the other. Gentlemen, we have another incident. Yes. I think I know who you're talking about. We have another incident. 
It doesn't have anything to do with nudity this time. Well, I don't either. care then. All right. Okay. <laughs> but what's funny about this one is down in Oklahoma, there is a school board meeting that was going on. And uh, as they're going through the meeting, I don't know if our good friend Linda Farley um, was aware that her camera was active or maybe she just didn't care. Not sure. As they went to a vote on one of the policies, right before her turn to say yay or nay, she picks up a Corona beer and takes a big swig on camera right in front of the other representatives. Now... The best part is this. She claims that she was just flushing out her kidneys. She had to do it because she was flushing out her kidneys. That's the so my, best excuse ever. as well. Yeah. My, my question to you guys, okay? Two-part question. One, is Linda wrong for throwing back a sip of beer while at home on a video conference meeting? And two, is flushing out your kidneys your new go-to code for I'm going to have a beer? So to the first question, she's definitely not wrong. And to the second question, absolutely. <laughs> Anytime that I'm questioned on my consuming of alcohol on, you know, maybe a Wednesday mid-afternoon, <laughs> I see no issue with flushing out the kidneys. This is the new go-to. Ferrario, it's 8 a.m. Why are you drinking a beer right now? Hey, I'm flushing out the kidneys early. <laughs> now, Ferrario, what's your stance on the video conference? Now, let, me throw it, oh, wait, yeah. let me throw it a different way at you guys, okay? So, we have a Zoom meeting, let's say, and we have Tommy and John Kioski <laughs> on our Zoom, and this is not a day where BK is signing his contract. There's no high-speed chase. Everybody's sitting comfortably at home. We're just going over some, I don't know, future scheduling. Are you guys ripping open a beer and being like, all right, guys, yes, yeah, my vote is yes, chug, chug, chug. It depends on the time, because if you're doing it early in the morning, then you're probably going to get some strange looks, but if it's the afternoon, it's allowed. Do you know John and Tommy? It's true. I feel perfectly confident in my ability to grab a cold one as we're having a conversation with our bosses. That's 100% true. Yeah. One of the reasons why this is a fantastic company, because we have great bosses that are understanding of things. Oh, God. Look at that, eh, Alex? He slid it in there. Listen, man, I signed a contract yesterday. I am a company man. But you do have a good point. Those guys, uh, it's a lot of fun around here. It's the only two you could do that around. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> all right. Speaking of Zoom, by the way, to Uh-oh. respond to yours, did you see the Monica Lewinsky story oh, last week as well? Boy. Now, listen, I heard a little bit, but again, my memory escapes me from being knocked in the head. So, refreshing. So, so she also she also had a Zoom situation last week. Huh. She was on a Zoom call with Gilbert Gottfried's daughter for her bat mitzvah, and she private messaged somebody that she was currently sitting in her PJ's Sans bra. Oh, geez. And somebody responded to her message saying, hey, just so you know, everybody in this group can see your messages to give her a heads up as to what she had just said to the entire group, not just the one specific person that she was trying to respond to. So there were no photos that got out of her. She was, it was, the camera was off or whatever, but she was responding to somebody explaining why she wasn't able to be seen on the screen at that point. Okay, moment. so let me bounce this off you guys. So how many people were on that Zoom? It doesn't say. Okay, I don't know. So roughly, but it was a bad mitzvah, so I would assume a lot. I hope okay, there so, was a ton. Okay, but even if there's a ton, let's just say it was a hundred people. Okay, sure. let's really stretch it out there. 
here. Uh, I mean, my memory is bad. But I do remember Monica Lewinsky uh, being outed for doing certain things to a certain person to, I don't know. The name rings a bell. The entire country. The entire country and other internationally knowing about this. I think the hundred people on the bot mitzvah private message line are the least of her worries. Why you always got to bring up the past? Monica's trying to just lead a, a normal life. She's trying to just get back to normalcy. And then you have to bring this up. Listen, I'm not being negative to Monica. You know, <laughs> hey, look at all the power to her. It is what it is. But I'm just saying, I don't think she's got a lot of shame in her game true. over a couple of people in yeah. a bop mitzvah chat room. A brawless Zoom call isn't going to really affect her legacy. <laughs> no. You know who really doesn't have any shame in his game? Johnny Manziel. Oh, and I've gosh. got bad news for all of us. All right. Johnny Manziel says, quote, I finally got to a point where I'm trying to achieve happiness in life, not happiness on the football field, adding that his football career is, quote, probably in the past. Wasn't it already? I was going to say, why don't you omit the word probably there, Johnny? <laughs> Did you say football career? Because that's kind of a loose use of the word, right? Like, yeah, he had an incredible college career, but it's been a bit bumpy since then. Johnny Manziel was one of the most entertaining college football players I've ever watched in my entire life. His redshirt freshman season that he had at Texas A&M was as much fun as you could watch a college football player. They beat Alabama that year with him and Mike Evans just basically doing backyard sandlot football and just ripping up the Crimson Tide. I can't believe, maybe I can, but it's it's disappointing to me that in the end, Johnny Manziel's professional NFL career is 14 games, 7 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I feel like he should have been so much more than that in the league. Do you really? Because I remember when the draft happened and, and all that. And, yeah, there was certainly some, you know, some highly touting of this guy or high touting of this guy. And But I just remember listening to the experts, to guys like our buddy Sean Salisbury and other guys who were in the industry saying, this guy's not an NFL He's a fantastic college quarterback. He's an incredible schoolyard quarterback, but he's not an NFL quarterback. And that's kind of what played out. Heck, he went over to the CFL, which he should have had a great success because it's a bigger field. It's way more schoolyard where, you know, you've got guys in motion on every single down. And he didn't have all that much success there. And, in fact, I believe failed a drug test, too, while he was there. Yeah. And, like... This guy has just kind of gotten in his own way. Maybe this will be the best thing ever for him. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel, the football player, I still believe could have made it. Johnny Manziel, the person, is what ultimately was the downfall to me of his NFL career because he just didn't, he didn't take it seriously enough. He ended up showing out to Vegas with a fake mustache on and his <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> hey, Bobby Valentine did it. You don't do that, you guys? It's it's frowned upon to do so. I just. I think there was something to be said for what he could have been in the NFL, and it, it's, it sucks to me that he ultimately was never able to get there. Johnny Manziel, 
I was all in on him as a college football player. And then it just, it didn't work in the NFL. And now it's officially over. It's another example, too, of a player being brought into a program that's not great, right? So imagine if Johnny Menzel had have dropped a little bit in the draft and Bill Belichick yep. picked him up. But I'm just using the Patriots as an example. Could no, it's been, a great example. It could have been any other program. He needed discipline. And know, the Browns were anything but discipline at that time. So imagine if he had a year or two to really adjust to the NFL, learn what he's supposed to do, pick up a good playbook, have some good mentors. Maybe, maybe we're talking differently about this guy, but unfortunately that didn't happen. For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN Live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. It is 101, your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Speaking of quarterbacks, Jamie, which new NFL quarterback is going to have the biggest impact on their new team? We'll answer that question for you next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. But as the market dried up and the Patriots remained in contact with him, all of a sudden there was this opportunity that I think the Patriots feel like they couldn't pass on. Cam Newton for a maximum of $7.5 million. If you get 85, 90% of the player he used to be, that's a really smart signing. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. That was Mike Giardi on NFL Network yesterday saying the value was just too much for the Patriots to pass up on Cam Newton at this point. And the Patriots do have a new quarterback, at least I believe they do, in Cam Newton. So I've got a question for you, Jamie. I heard the fast lane guys discussing this yesterday. I wanted to bring it to your attention. Which new quarterback, new addition quarterback from this offseason will have the greatest impact on his new football team? So I've got the list in front of me right now. You've got the Patriots with Cam Newton and their division. You've got the Dolphins with Tua. You've got the Bengals with uh, Burrow. You've got the Colts with Phil Rivers coming over. I think we can throw the Chargers out of this conversation. <laughs> the Bears have Nick Foles. The Bucks, of course, with Tom Brady. And then the Panthers with Teddy Bridgewater. Of those teams that have a new starting quarterback this year, Jamie, in your opinion, which one's going to have the greatest impact on their new team? Well, as much as everybody's all pumped up right now, about Cam Newton and whether you're on the one side or the other about it. I don't think he'll have the biggest impact. I think that uh, he might help his team more than Jared Stidham would, but I don't think he'll have the biggest impact overall. Tua, that's a tough one right there. You know, he's got all the ability in the world. The Dolphins are going to try and provide him with a great team, but, uh, you know, it, it won't make that much of a difference in his first year. Burrow, well, good luck with the Bengals. I work my way down here, and I know this is going to surprise you. I think Tom Brady. Oh, I'm stunned. Oh, wow. wow. I know. I know. But honestly, oh, all jokes aside, even though if I wasn't a Tom Brady guy, okay, you look at the Bucks where they were last year, and you look at adding Tom Brady, and they've done a good job of putting a supporting cast around Brady, giving him quite a few weapons. It has the potential of really working out for that team, which I guess to your question, the greatest impact, maybe it's not Brady. Like maybe if you put Cam Newton there, maybe if you put Tua there, it could be any quarterback there, but it's Tom Brady. And he's going to have the ability to manage this team, to manage that offense, and to do what he does best with a lot of guys around him that can play. I do think he'll have the biggest impact. 
part of me wants to lean towards Teddy Bridgewater, especially after what he did with the Saints last year. And, you know, Carolina, after Cam Newton, they tried to use the third-string quarterback, which really just didn't work out. I mean, he had some success, but then it kind of fell apart. But I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is going to have the weapons in terms of throwing to. So I think... I think I'm going to go with Nick Foles here. I'm going to go with Tricky oh Nicky. Oh, Alex. I'm going with Tricky Nicky. Come I on. thought you were drinking when you said Teddy Bridgewater. No. Now I think you're absolutely drunk. Hear me out here. There's no thinking. Did he he's just hammered. say Nick, Tricky Nicky? Hear he, me out here. He's got the corona. Right, he's we'll, flushing out his We'll kidneys. try to hear you. But Risky you're Trubisky lim- couldn't time. throw a ball. And Nicky can at least target some guys. What's right? he going to target? Well, at least they got something. <laughs> I mean, like 27 tight ends on the roster. It'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, just fine. A couple half of five these other guys. to be just great. Half of these other guys don't have anybody. I guess you could say Philip Rivers. I did pick the Colts yesterday, but well, I think Brady's I'm... got some weapons out there. Yeah, Am but... I wrong? <sighs> BK, jump in here. I know mm. you don't want to help Tom Brady, I don't want but to do you Tom can't Brady. jump on Nick Foles' train. No, that's ridiculous. What he just said is absurd. <laughs> Tricky Nicky, I'm going to run, run right through what he just Tricky said. Tricky Nicky. But power through this. <laughs> My answer is going to be Cam Newton. And here, here's why. Going from where they were to where they are, from Jarrett Stidham, who, let's yeah, be but honest. he never played a game, so I it's know. not really, you know I, what I'm saying? I watched You're going Jared from Stidham. Tom Brady to Cam Newton. Is that much of a difference? But the, the alternative was not Tom Brady, because Tom Brady signed with You're getting way technical here. That's fair. But what, <laughs> what they were going from, they were planning on going with Jarrett Stidham. I watched Jarrett Stidham in college. A lot of our audience watched Jarrett Stidham in college. That guy stunk in college. Every year, the reason why Auburn wasn't a legitimate contender was because they didn't have a quarterback. They didn't have a guy that you believed in whenever the game got close. Mm-hmm. Now they've got Cam Newton, and I don't know what version of Cam they're going to get. But if they at least get a healthy version of Cam Newton, maybe he's not the guy that was the MVP, but maybe he ends up being a top 10 to 15 quarterback in the league who can convert those third and shorts that they weren't getting at times last year. That can maybe hit a wide open Julian Edelman across the middle. That can maybe take advantage of Nikhil Harry going over the top, their first round pick from last year, who's really good in going up and getting it in contested situations, which Cam Newton's pretty darn good at, by the way, and Tom Brady at this point in his career is not great at. So if he's able to take advantage a little bit better of some of the players that are around him i do think he could be a significant upgrade for the patriots i think they go from having a bottom five-ish quarterback situation in the league to being right around the top half of the league again and that gap between where they were to where they are today i think makes him have the biggest impact of any of these does anybody have any faith in joe burrows well, I have a lot of faith in him. I, I don't just have faith don't in think, the Bengals. Yeah, the team itself isn't built for success but if yet. You're, but if we're talking greatest impact, don't you think he's going to have a huge impact on that team because at least you have a reliable quarterback? So though I get three wins this year? <laughs> hey, better than one, am I right? <laughs> just saying. That's a pretty big impact. Yeah, I have nothing against Joe Burrow, and I think he, I, to me, I think it's going to translate into a really great NFL career, but it's going to take him a couple years in Cincinnati to be the different 
difference maker and to actually move the needle with that team. Guys, hop on the Tricky Nicky train. No, There's plenty Alex, of room. You Alex, to, you had your answer you're like, cut off. It was wrapped up and all you had to do was unwrap it. It was even pre-unwrapped. You know those <laughs> gifts that are underneath the Christmas tree that have like somebody stuck their finger in it real yeah. quick so you can kind of see it and you can just peel it straight from there? You, you said the Colts were the third best team in the AFC yesterday and you didn't go Phillip Rivers. That's I don't a understand. good point. And yesterday you made fun of Nick Foles. What's going on with you today? Tricky Nicky, boys. There's plenty of room on this train. Greatest impact. He just wants to say that. He just wanted yeah. to say the nickname. I did, I, actually. Guys, we will remember this conversation for a lot of reasons right now. Yeah. Because Ferrario was hammered on the air. Yeah, Ferrario was hammered. Wouldn't for be the one first thing. time. Uh, well, okay, good luck with that one. Now, <laughs> based upon that, I do, I'm going to stick to my guns here, and I do think Tom Brady's going to have the biggest impact. And also, the, 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 the little side note to this is that BK decided to compare Cam Newton, his importance as opposed to Jared Stidham, when Jared Stidham hasn't taken a snap yet. Because he Brady. stinks. He stinks. But he hasn't Danny taken Rivers. a snap yet post Tom Brady. So it's Cam Newton over Tom Brady. How much of a difference is that really going to be? I don't know. That's really what you're doing. For apples to apples, that's what it is. You went apples to oranges when you threw Stidham in oh, there. Stop it. You're being <laughs> ridiculous. I'm, in a, I'm taking a picture of this. We're saving it. We're going to bring this Speaking back Speaking of being ridiculous, by the way, Jamie, yes. I want to hear this audio. If you can get this for me, Ferrario, it's Michael Lombardi talking about the Patriots and what the, if they have what it takes to beat another contender. This is absurd, Jamie, because I said yesterday, I'm in on the Patriots as a playoff contender again after what they did signing Cam Newton. Uh-huh. What Mike Lombardi, former Patriots executive, said that they are now capable of doing is utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Let's hear this audio, Ferrario, if you've got it ready to go. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa, now that New England got Cam, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa made another Move. Antonio Brown. You know, you're like Sherlock Holmes with that. With that. No. Not this one. Not that one. We'll go with the Patriots now have what it takes to beat. You got that one? Yep, got it. To me, now it gives them a conversation to be, can they beat Kansas City? And the way they have to play, can they beat Kansas City? I think that's the ultimate. Can they beat the top teams in the league? Can you they think beat they can with him? I think they can. I do. I think a lot of it's going to come down to their kicker, how good he is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because he's a rookie. It's also going to come down to how good those young players are on defense. You know, and if they can add another defensive lineman or somebody in there to give him a little bit more girth, Easy I think it. they can. Okay. So the Patriots beating or losing to the truth. Chiefs or the Ravens is going to come down to their young kicker and their ability to add a, a defensive lineman in July. He's a good kicker. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the difference in the, the Patriots being able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Look, okay. I agree. Okay. But what's he going to say? No, we can't beat them. And by the way, I work for the Patriots. Not anymore. But still. He's not going to do that. I, you know he's not going to do that. Michael now, I do think that he's probably consumed as much alcohol as Alex Ferrario today. I don't think so. Might be I think impossible. Alex hasn't beat. <laughs> Guys, Tricky Nicky train is wide open. Alex, as soon as you started talking like that, every the wheels fell off in there, buddy. I don't think so. Wheels never fall off. <laughs> now, hey, before we go, I had another one. I tried to send to you guys uh, yesterday afternoon, but I wasn't able to do it because this technology thing sometimes eludes me. I know it's hard to believe, but there's something that was on TSN, the uh, website, and it really kind of made me scratch my head because I was like, is this really a question right now? Is this really happening? And what it was was it was a comparison between Tom Brady and 
and Patrick Mahomes. And here's the headline. Here's the headline. BK, hear me out. Because you are level-headed, although sometimes you don't choose to be. You are level-headed. And the headline is this. Has Mahomes done enough to be drafted number one in NFL history over Tom Brady? Give me a break. Not yet. I know. But are we really at that point where we're, that's the headline? No, it's ridiculous. I mean, he has the best start to a career that we've ever seen by a quarterback. He won the MVP Did in his he first win the Super year Bowl as a starter. His first year? No, but he won the MVP his first year Brady as a starter. Brady won the Super Bowl his first year. Give me a sec. And then <laughs> went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl MVP in his second year as a starter. Went to the AFC Championship game in his first year as I'll a starter. I'll give him that. It's the most accomplished quarterback that we've ever seen through, through two years in NFL history history that being said it's two years as a starter and tom brady is is the greatest there there's no question about it once he beat anthony stalter's falcons that was the moment <laughs> when we all decided it, it collectively there is no more debate tom brady is the best that we've ever seen do it now 15 years from now, we'll be, we'd be talking about in Pat, Patrick Mahomes in that same light. Yeah. Maybe, potentially. I think he's at least in play of getting there. If he can stay healthy, no. I, I agree with you 100% that he will be in a conversation. But Tom Brady's going to be a pretty tough guy to beat overall when you take in all his championships and all his statistics over a long period of time. Patrick Mahomes has the potential to do it. For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, the I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's play a game of one got to go. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. That's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK. Let's play a game of one. Gotta go, Jamie Rivers. How you feeling about that today? Bring it on, baby. I love this game. Let's start with this one. One gotta go appetizer edition. Toasted Ravs, Buffalo Wings, Nachos, or Calamari. I'll read those for you one more time. Toasted Ravs. Buffalo wings, nachos, or fried calamari? Which ones got to go? Uh, nacho got to go in my Whoa. books. Yep. Whoa. I just, uh, look, to me, nachos are great, and it is what it is, but they're nachos, man. It's chips and some stuff thrown on top of it. I love good nachos. Don't get me wrong. But when you're bringing them toasted ravs, buffalo wings, and then you got calamari, like those are some pretty darn good appetizers. So for me, the nachos, you're out. I don't even know why the hell calamari's in this category. Oh, as an Italian guy, get really? the calamari out of here. What? What are you talking about? You're the Ita- the Italians lightly love crusted, calamari. fried a little lemon, oh. a little spicy <laughs> dipping sauce on no. the side. Oh yeah, no. get it out of here. Get it out of here. We're sticking with the nachos, the buffalo wings, T ravs are the ultimate. But, yeah, get that calamari out of here. This may surprise you guys. I'm agreeing with Jamie Rivers on this Whoa. one. Nachos got to go. Buffalo Wild Wings are the – or Buffalo Wings, rather. What did I just do there? You Buffalo just Wings free ad there. <laughs> are second on this. Calamari, for me, is third. Toaster Ravs are number one. Nope. Clear-cut number one choice on – the list of appetizers for me. Biggest question, though, okay? Yep. Because Alex, who's definitely had a underwhelming performance today. Now, that being said, he brought up calamari, right? 
So what restaurant are we at, though? Like, if you're talking calamari wing, you're at the, you know, the local bar, and, you know, you've got your nachos, toasted ravs, or wings, the calamari is kind of the odd one out. What kind of calamari are you really getting at that point? So if we're comparing here, I think it's only fair to say, like, we're getting... Like, Pristine. Uh, the like, best of the best. Like Palmano's calamari, and then you take your best wings place, you take your best T-Ravs. If that's the case, then nachos don't have a chance. Bro, I've got to ask you this, and Jamie as well, because I love wings, and I had a spot in Columbia when I lived there. I had a spot when I was in KC when I lived there. I'd go to the Peanut in Kansas City. I'd go to CJ's when I was in Columbia. What's your favorite wing spot here in town? Because I, I haven't found mine yet. Boy, I I, I don't know for ribs. Uh, there's, there's two separate ones. If you're going like the mustard wings, Cyberg's is my go-to spot. Like, uh, I mean, those are phenomenal wings, but if you want like the spicy wings, there's a couple of good spots that you can check out. Riz, I don't know if one pops out to you. I have a couple in my head, so I'm going to let you talk on spicy side. But mustard side, Cyberg's is my go-to. Is uh, is Hooters still open? Yeah. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, but that's that's for other that's for other <laughs> items. Are we actually talking about the wings? Yeah. Okay. All right. We're yeah, actually okay. talking well, wings. The food, Jamie. You the said food. your go-to place. You didn't say your go-to wing. So, anyways, <laughs> so you guys don't have a good recommendation. No, I for do me. actually. Okay. There's one in O'Fallon that's close to my house, O'Fallon, Missouri, and it's close to my house, and they got great wings called B Halls. B Halls. B Halls. Yeah, that's and good. It, they got some great wings, man. That's my go-to. You know, I don't know if they're still around. Culpepper's had some pretty damn good wings, too. They used to be at the top of the food chain. They were, like, on the podium for yeah. years and years. I don't know if they're still around. I Text thought, line, help us out. Yeah, I, I thought there was are, one in St. Charles. Group. Yeah, they're on Groupon. Yeah. I know that. <laughs> oh, well, there you go, BK. There you go. That's a pretty damn good one. One gotta go vacation spot edition. I'm going on vacation at the end of July. Jamie, I'm going to a beach. One gotta go vacation spot. Beach, the lake, a lake. Mountains or an amusement park? The beach, the lake, the mountains, or an amusement park? Which one's got to go? Amusement park, goodbye. Goodbye. If I'm going on vacation, and we're not talking a family vacation, right? If we're talking family, then you got to go with the amusement park. It's just kind of a staple. Now, if I'm going on vacation, me and the missus want to kick back, relax, have a good time, I'm not going to anybody else's babysitting place, the amusement <laughs> park. That's out for me. Not even close. I would almost guarantee all three of us are going to agree on on this amusement park, get the hell out of here. I want to relax. I want to enjoy myself. The first three, beach, lake, mountains, <laughs> silence, enjoyment, get the hell out of here amusement park. So what's funny is I think the listeners would anticipate that I would be disagreeing with you guys here because I am the Disney World guy, mm-hmm. right? Amusement park, get all the way up out of here. Amen. Compared to the beach, the lake, and the mountains... No, all the way out. So let's rank them then. Okay? okay, so let's do this. We'll start with you, Ferrario. Okay. Okay, we'll start with you. I want gold, silver, bronze between okay. lake, beach, mountains. Uh, Gold, beach, silver, mountains, bronze, lake. Jamie Rivers, what are you going with here? Okay, I'm going gold to the lake because wow. I just love being at the lake. There's so many things you can do. Uh, silver to the beach. I love the beach. Love everything. But there's really only one thing you're really doing, you know. And it's fun. It's great. Third, the mountains. Uh, I, I like it. I think it's beautiful. But, you know, I don't really think it's going to be. It's more for hiking type people. I envision that for somebody. So gold is lake, silver, beach, bronze, mountains. So the funny thing is I actually think 
the mountains have the highest potential if you're going on a long trip. Because if you're going... Pardon the pun. Hey-oh. There are so many different activities in the mountains. Whether you're a fisherman type or a hiking type or you want to go whitewater rafting or you want to go up and you want to go skiing or snowboarding or all these different things. The mountains have a ton to do. They're going to be my silver medalist. Okay. The beach is gold for me. Oh, yeah. wow. Beach is I, gold. You can't beat it, dude. You go out there. You, you chill by the pool for a little while. You go down to the actual beach itself. Wait, did you just you say you chill board. by the pool at the beach? Yeah. <laughs> dude, think about what you said. I want to go to the beach because it got great pools. Yeah. You dude, are hold on, hold on. Like a loser. What, what are you doing I here? I can't be the only one that goes into the pool and then hangs out by okay, the beach. Okay, but that, you, you just basically said you go to the beach because of the pools. Yeah, but why, yeah, why would you go to a you pool when both. you're at the beach? <laughs> Because you're getting in the water. What are you talking about? Well, you, you, don't guys, get, you don't get in the water on the beach? Not all the time. So you'd rather just get into a pool than the beach? Can you see at the bottom? Can't you have you a get pool the- at the lake oh, I forgot. BK is frightened of things that might be below him in the water. <laughs> have you guys read the news? Oh, my God. Mm. That's the best thing ever. That is pretty good. I like to go to the ocean. It's cold. I'm going to go hang by this Holiday Inn pool if so, that's okay. One of the requirements <laughs> that I had for the condo that we booked down in Gulf Shores oh my was... God. You check the boxes, right? Like, okay, we need two bedrooms. We need it to be in this price range. We want it to be in this area. Gotta have a pool. Gotta have a pool. Oh, my. It is, this is a incredible requirement. This is great. Well, we're going to be by the Gulf of Mexico. The Gulf isn't exactly like the, yeah, the most fantastic water in the world. No, to they got good pools. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I just can't believe it. If you've got a jellyfish problem at any given time, and that does happen. What about a urine problem in the pool? Yeah, I was going to say, I'd take the jellyfish over the urine any day. Although, if you do get stung by a jellyfish, you're going to need that urine. That's true. That's right. That's right. Always carry a gallon around with me, just in case. <laughs> One gotta go, dipping sauce edition. Oh, baby. Ranch, barbecue, ketchup, or buffalo? Ranch, uh, barbecue, uh. Ketchup simple. or buffalo? One gotta go. Get the hell out of here, ketchup. It's really? disgusting. What what other than French fries are you dipping in ketchup? Well, that's a good point. I rarely agree with Alex Ferrari on this show. <laughs> he swayed me a little oh, bit. Baby. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Not He's exactly lie. correct. Correct. What is the purpose of ketchup? Uh, to dip your fries in. But I don't even it's, like that. It's even the lowest common denominator for fries. Some people ever... put it on steak, BK. Oh. I don't, but some people. I've do. seen people put it on pizza, and it's disgusting. Patrick Mahomes puts it on his steak, and I. It, it's, oh it's a little God. difficult. It's a little <laughs> difficult for me. He'll power right. through. So dipping sauces, it, we have ranch, barbecue, buffalo, and ketchup, right? Yeah. Ranch, so, buffalo, de- uh, and ketchup. My initial thought was I'm getting rid of barbecue. What? I, no, oh. listen to me. Hear me out. My I initial just, like, thought. my neck as you said that. <laughs> because most of the time when you use barbecue sauce, it's on something that is barbecued. And therefore, you could have good flavor without the barbecue sauce. You can use sauce. it for chicken fingers. You can use it for your fries. You, you can use it for, use it for everything. anything. Okay. So then Alex brought it to my attention with his picks that what do you really use ketchup for? Just the fries. So based upon the information that I've gathered in the last minute and a half to two minutes, <laughs> I'm going to eliminate ketchup. Okay, BK? You can calm down now. All right, BK, how do you rank them? Uh, we will go barbecue one, buffalo two, ranch three, ketchup four. Wow. But Ribs? the gap between barbecue and buffalo 
is massive to Ranch. Ranch is third, and it's like really in its own That's tier, a- and then another tier gap, and then catch up. That's incredible. Ribs? Okay, Gold Ranch for me. You like we my do, man. We do ranch with everything at the Rivers House. It is a staple for sure. And the only reason Ranch didn't have to get up out of here is because ketchup was involved. Okay. Wow. Well, I'm going to power through. That's this, trash, okay? BK. That is really trash. Now, the second place for me would be bar, uh, Buffalo. Buffalo sauce, silver barbecue sauce gets the bronze and ketchup. You get a ribbon. You are a smart man, Jamie Rivers. Some would say <laughs> a genius man because no, Ranch is gold, Buffalo is silver, and barbecue. He was bronze. There we go. Final one for one gotta go. Muffin edition. Oh, wow. Oh, baby. I like your one gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Blueberry, banana nut, apple cinnamon, or chocolate chip. One gotta Uh, go muffin edition. Blueberry, banana nut, apple cinnamon, or chocolate chip. Okay, it's not even close for me. Really? Apple, cinnamon, pound pavement. Get out of here. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's rough. Yeah. That's it rough, is. Riz. I take back my genius statement. No, but Ugh. think about it. The cinnamon taste is so powerful that, yes, you have the one muffin. You're like, okay, that's good. I like that. Now, hammer back three more and see how you feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I'm looking at it, okay? You put back, you put back four or five blueberry muffins. You're golden. He might have swayed my decision. You know what I'm what? saying? The chocolate chip for sure is yeah. in there. I love that. When was the last time you had four muffins in well, one sitting? Anytime okay. somebody cooks them. <laughs> the mini muffins, okay. It, it, I like to, to do that because I feel like I'm winning the game at that point. Um, and now you've just had seven yeah. big muffins. <laughs> seven muffins as opposed to one big one. But now... Honestly, the cinnamon taste is great, but you, yeah. to me, it just gets old because it, su- it takes over everything else. I think he swayed me, BK, because I was about to say, get the hell out of here, banana, but I, I you can only do one or two ample cinnamon, and then you're done. You can pound as many bananas if you want. <laughs> Whoa. You sure can. That's Whoa. right. Can't you? That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost him. Six, we five, seven, eight, zeros there. Comfort <laughs> service tax line. Our tax line agrees with you, Ferrario. The banana nuts got to get out of here. Wow. I disagree. It's blueberry. Oh, you, oh are, you are a psychopath. This is really getting bad get for that. you, BK. Oh, my gosh. My food takes are even more unpopular than my sports takes, which is a hell of a bar to clear. <laughs> Let me tell you. You are one pathetic loser. I've had that drop use on me at least four times so far <laughs> today. Actually marked BK. <laughs> I have the changed, label in the system. I've changed it to BK. <laughs> Blueberry muffins got to get up out of here. Now, how would you rank these if you were given gold, oh, silver, and bronze? Blueberries okay. gold. Oh wow! Chocolate ah. is silver, and I'm going to put banana nut as bronze. Okay. All right. I'm going to go chocolate chip numero uno. Blueberry. Silver and the banana nut bronze. And like I said before, apples and cinnamon, pound pavement. Apple cinnamon is gold for me. Oh my God. That is the number one choice. Chocolate chip is silver, banana nut will be the bronze. Blueberry all the way up out of here. With Jamie Rivers (laughs) and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. I'm the guy that you're mad at right now from the 314 at 65780 there Comfort Service Sex Line. BK, gotta go. We do gotta go. And we'll tell you why John Harbaugh is furious at the NFLPA. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 
have to practice. And I'm pretty sure the huddle's not going to be six feet space. So, you know. Right. So, so, you know, I, I don't know. Our guy's going to shower one at a time all day. Our guy's going to lift weights one at a time all day. These are things the league and the PA need to get a handle on and need to get agreed with some common sense. Um, so we can operate in the 13-hour day in training camps that are given us to get our work done. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. That was John Harbaugh, who is frustrated with the way that things have gone with the NFL and the NFLPA and these negotiations as to what it's going to look like when these players are back in their home cities. By the way, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line from the 314 in response to our last segment. BK, you are very much not a normal person. Sports <laughs> might legitimately be the only normal thing about you. That is the correct response to what the segment was that we just had. Nailed it on the head. Speaking of not being very normal, these times certainly aren't normal for the NFL. And you've got guys like Tom Brady and Russell Wilson and now Kyler Murray's involved with it, taking a bunch of their teammates out to any given area, and they're basically practicing on their own. They're trying to get a little bit of time in with their teammates, which is understandable. But this is something, Jamie, that the NFL is dealing with right now as we are about a month away. They say that they're going to get training camps going by August 1st or by by the end of July, rather, I I don't know how they're going to be able to do this, man. We still don't even know what the protocols are specifically going to be by the time that they get into training camp. Look, every sport is going through it right now, okay, to where they're installing or, or, or putting these policies, procedures, protocols, whatever words you want to use. And they're doing a great job. They're giving us a, I mean, they're giving us a novel, like a hundred pages worth of details of doing their homework. But then the biggest thing, like John Harbaugh says, like, you got to have six feet in a huddle. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? You can't be within six feet of the guy in the locker room and nobody's allowed to shower or that whole rule that they're talking about, you know, guys not showering. But you're going to be in the huddle with a guy, and the line of scrimmage is going to be in full contact with each other at all times. But we got to worry about the showers, and we got to worry about the lockers. Like, I, am I missing something here? The, the lockers is the big one for me because it's like, okay, so let's say an offensive line, right? The five guys on the offensive line, they're typically the way that these locker rooms are put together. More often than not, you've got position groups yeah. in, in certain areas that are all kind of together, certainly right? Certainly offense, one side, defense, other at minimum. And most of them for, for the football teams, it's like offensive line is always together. That's typically the closest unit of the entire team. And so they end up getting their lockers all in that same area. So those guys are not allowed to be close to each other when they're getting dressed in the locker room, but when they get onto the football field, they're literally lining up side-by-side communicating with one another, and they get into the huddle like you said, and they're once again shoulder-to-shoulder communicating with one another with no mask or anything, obviously. So that's okay. Playing the sport is okay, but once you get into the locker room, it's not... It's difficult to me to understand where the league is coming from on some of these things where it's just like, this is silly. Either you can play the sport or you can't it's like whenever they tried to say that playing football is safe 
And it's not safe. It's a collision sport, right? Yeah. There's going to be concussions. There's no way to do it safely. Now, you can do it safer, and that's some of the things that have been implemented in recent years to be able to play the sport safer, but there's no way to do so safely. And that's kind of what we're looking at here with the coronavirus is there's no way to do this with it being 100% effective, but they're trying to think of things that can make it safer. And I think some of them just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, frankly. Well, I think they're overthinking some of it, right? And I understand that people want to pay attention to detail. And there's probably people, BK, that are paid an awful lot of money right now to come up with these protocols so that things are not just good on paper, but they translate to the actual real-life situations. The problem with it all is specifically with hockey, football, and I always put in basketball because they're battling in the paint. They're in close proximity all the time, and they don't have equipment over top of themselves to protect their skin from things and whatever, and I don't know enough about it, so I'm just going to leave it over there. However... How do you do this where you tell hockey players, same thing, hey, you got to keep your six-foot distance in the locker room. Uh, guys are not going to be able to shower after games because we think that it's too close proximity, yada, yada, yada. Football, yeah, you guys, same thing. But, hey, you're going to go out on the field with the same guys. Beat and the actually, hell out of each other. And actually, we're going to throw another team out there, too, that's going to be in close proximity. And we're going to battle. And we're going to go head-to-head on the offensive line, defensive line. We're going to make tackles. We're going to lay on top of each other. Hockey, you guys may fight. You may end up in the corner. You're going to have a pile-up in front of the net. But don't you dare get within six feet of your teammate in the locker room. It just doesn't make any sense. It's one of the things that we, I think, have to suspend reality a little bit <laughs> as we're talking about some of these things. Because if you don't, you just look at all of this, you're like, this is ridiculous. Like, some of these ideas are just absurd that we're actually implementing this into the field of play. I, I get what they're trying to accomplish with them. It, I do. But when you actually put them into reality and you think about these things, you're just like, this This is silly. And it's like baseball's thing with uh, being being able to get in an Uber, but not being able to spit on the field. Like, come on. If you can do, if you can get into the Uber, like being able to spit on the field seems totally irrelevant whenever you're looking at these two things and actually trying to put together a coherent can plan. Can you spit in the Uber, though? That's a great question. I, mean, I, would I don't imagine think the driver would appreciate it, but... I don't know. I would imagine that's a little more difficult for Major League Baseball to police <laughs> than the spinning on the field itself. But, hey, you know, uh, apparently they're going to try to be able to do this in all 26 of their individual cities. So I'm, I'm sure everything will go without a hitch, Jamie. It's going to be perfect. Seamless. That's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll cross things over with the Fast Lane next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN Live from the new E&B Granite Studios at the Centene Community Ice Center. Let's cross things over with the Fastlane BT in the studio. 
BT, what's going on, man? Man, just missing you guys. You know, I, I came in to do the crossover. I knew you were gone, yet I walk in. I was a little bit sad. Alex is here, so that helped out quite a bit. But how's <laughs> well, it going out there? Is he drinking over there? What, what is Alex, Alex may or may drinking? not be intoxicated. No, I, I can tell you this right now. I'm looking at him. I made him walk a straight line, uh, and he looks fine. Alex uh, has not been drinking on the job. <laughs> and I got the alphabet backwards, boys, so 110% back here. That one is, you know how to do the alphabet oh, backwards? Yeah. Did you already do it? Yeah, I can if you want me to. Uh, yeah, please. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-I-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. Oh, my what? God. Okay, so no let's way. pause. What? Let's pause for a second here. That's somebody who has been cramming for the exam at home. <laughs> so the next time he gets pulled over, like it's on autopilot. No, that's somebody who got bored at elementary school. You know how they have, how they have the alphabet banner on the uh, ceiling? Somebody who just gets bored so much doesn't pay attention and just tries to memorize it backwards. Of all things for Alex Ferrario to know, earlier today he said Nick Foles is going to be the quarterback <laughs> yeah. that has the biggest impact of any of the newcomers, BT, and now he's saying the alphabet backwards. So he knows the alphabet backwards, he just doesn't realize that his answer earlier today was absolutely absurd. I, look, I think he's remembering a Philly special. I mean, it, it, Damn right. <laughs> it, it is what it is. By the way, isn't that a, a, a police trick? Like, hey, do it backwards. Yeah. Say, I couldn't even do that. <laughs> sober. Wow. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, well. I always like the one on Reno 911, if you've ever seen it, where they get the guy pulled over and they think he's drunk. He's like, hey, walk a straight line for me. And they do like an entire dance routine. And they're like, okay, you're good to go. Wish I was that talented. Yeah, that would be good. That'd be good. I like that. All right, so he picked Nick Foles. Who did you guys go with? Because we had this conversation yesterday also, and, and I went down a little bit different path, and I actually took Teddy Bridgewater. I think that Teddy getting this opportunity uh, with, with Carolina, I think he's going to be a good fit. A young, uh, innovative offense. Got the best weapon in the game in McCaffrey there with him. I think that he's going to be a good fit. Which direction did you guys go? Well, BK, I know it's hard to believe, uh, but I went with Tom Brady okay. in the bucket. And it really wasn't a an influenced guess or an influenced pick because I just because I love Tom Brady, but I, I just think that putting him in that uniform as opposed to Jameis Winston is going to be a big difference for that team. And I think Tom Brady will have the biggest impact just for that team alone in the standings. And I went with my boy Cam Newton because I think the gap from Jarrett Stidham to Cam Newton okay, is as pause. big. Okay. BT, this is where we have a problem, okay? <laughs> he did this to me earlier, and I'm like, you can't do that because Jarrett Stidham has never actually taken a snap post Tom Brady. So what you're doing is you're comparing Cam Newton to Tom Brady. I'm and is the upgrade substantial? That's the rules. I'm comparing the guy that was going to be their starter to the guy that is now going to be we their starter. We need a ruling, BT. Can he actually do that? You know what? He can do he can do that, but either way, he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you went with Teddy Bridgewater. That's right. Wow, now he's coming at you. That's correct. Yeah, see? No, but hey. if his answer is valid, my answer is valid. No, but yours is not part of the actual category. It's not an upgrade from Stidham. He's never played one down post-Brady yet. It's, Had it's, he taken one snap, I'd give it to you. It's, uh, it's not quantifiable, so <laughs> yeah. that, that's going to be different. But you can be more excited about it, BK. 
okay. I think that that is fair because all of a sudden for me, the Patriots go from, nah, I guess I'll, I'll see what they are without Brady to, oh, oh I want to see what they are with Cam. You exactly. are one pathetic loser. <laughs> right, I think that's number five today. Ferrari, you're five. cut off. You're cut okay, off. that one's broken. Uh, <laughs> I, I am excited to see what they look like with him because they have a tremendous defense. We know that. Bill Belichick will have that unit ready to go. That's never in question. But I had serious questions about their offense going into this season. They already had issues a year ago with Tom Brady at the helm. They don't have the greatest weapons in the world. Their running back crop while deep isn't the best unit that anybody's going to be talking about this season. At least with Cam, you know you've got a different kind of weapon back there that in a shortened season, I don't know how you totally prepare for what it's going to look like with Cam Newton as or shortened offseason, I should say, with Cam Newton as the quarterback in that offense. And we've seen the same offense for 20 years, and it's not going to look like that this time around. It's sexier, no doubt. And the we would think that you'd be able to do more, although to Jamie's point, we have no idea what Stidham was going to be. You know the one thing that I find really interesting? Because I fall along the same lines. Look, I, I look at Cam Newton and say, yeah, I've seen that guy win an MVP. I've seen that guy be, be great, and I've seen the freakish skill set that he has. And I think to myself, oh, he's going to be way better. But then I look at, at Vegas odds after Cam Newton lands there and find out that they only think he's a half game better than Stidham. And I don't know what to think about that, guys. What are they at now? Are they nine and a half? I think it is. Uh, yeah, I had. Uh, yes, nine and a half. Spot here. Nine and a half. No, no, you're right. I, I th- th- it's just so hard to move those lines. No, it's uh, not. You go 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you think that'll change, BT? Like, we're uh, a week, maybe two into the season. Let's just go even one week. Cam Newton comes out, has a great first game, puts up some good numbers, not even historical numbers, just good numbers. Patriots score like 21 points. They look like they've got something going on. How much is Zach going to change the line after that? I don't know. Probably substantially. If he goes out there and lights it up. Uh, but but your bets are going to be in already, you know? Yeah, you're, yeah. you're already going to have those things cashed. But, dude, I, I hope that's what happens. Because, uh, again, I, I find the Patriots interesting. And I know that we have a lot of people listening, fellas, that that's that want to throw up in their mouths because they, they've had enough <laughs> of the Patriots' uncle with them and Bill Belichick. But it, it makes them it makes them interesting. And, I, absolutely, I can see how you, uh, how, how you would believe that he's going to have the biggest impact. And I and look, Tom Brady, that was a reach as well uh, that, that could have a big impact this year. But it's going to be an interesting football season again, fingers crossed. So uh, this is an abrupt right turn, but there is a little bit of news that I want to pass along, BT, and get your better be reaction good news. on this. It better be good news, but uh, the fast lane is starting. Brian Cashman has said that he does not believe, of course, the president of the New York Yankees, does not believe that teams are allowed to report whether a player comes down with COVID-19 and is placed on the COVID injured list. So basically... Basically, when a player suddenly isn't in a lineup, uh, figure it out. So that's good. I'm glad baseball is taking that route. I'm sure that's going to go over very well. Yeah, no, no, HIPAA. I totally understand it. Aaron Judge isn't in there. Is he on the IL? No. Is he in the dugout? Certainly not. Well, he's on the COVID list then. We'll see him in two weeks. We'll figure it out. We're smart people. (laughs) Better than them saying upper body injury. But it technically kind of is. Upper body. <laughs> this is I guess that is true. I, I can't believe that's <laughs> that is true. Uh, BT, what's coming up next on the fast lane, man? Man, well, we're going to talk a lot about baseball. Obviously, we're going to talk to uh, one of the voices of the Cardinals, Ricky Horton, later. And it's Teach Us Tuesday in the fast lane, guys. This is where we learn all of our useless information for the week. So we're looking forward to it today. Looking forward to listening for Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, who's done a fantastic job back in the studio for us. I'm Brandon Kylie. The fast lane is coming up next. 
You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.